tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. Emma is looking after the programme today. She'll be glad to hear from you. Coming up on this morning's show, a Tipperary bus company comes to the rescue of young people. Diageo price increases, a further blow to the public house trade. The Labour Party calling for mandatory mask wearing to return on public transport and congregated settings. I wonder how you feel about that. Anna, who was forced to sleep in a tent with her husband and three children, speaks to us about what has happened since her rather explosive interview with us on Monday. And why reawakening a sense of adventure in children is important, as well as that very interesting piece on the programme today. Cork Supernatural Society investigate paranormal activity at Lockmore Castle. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text on WhatsApp 083311 Quick look at the headlines. The Irish Daily Mail. State pays road toll firms 30 million in compensation. Wait till you hear this. The state spent millions of our money, taxpayers' money, compensating toll operators after traffic dived uh, during the pandemic, but it did not have to do so. The spending watchdog has said so. They compensated uh, the company looking after the tolls who are making a fortune anyway um, because uh, traffic numbers were down. But they use our money to do so and they needn't have. So, again, what do you make of that? Uh, the Irish Times leading with uh, walk-in flu vaccines to be offered to children as cases soar. Walk-in flu vaccination clinics are being offered to to children from this week. As the HSE said, nearly 700 under-14s have been hospitalised with the illness this winter. Also on the Irish Times today, the price of a stamp and a pint of stout set to climb from the start of next month, adding to the escalating cost of living in Ireland. Again, we'll be chatting about that later on. To the Irish Examiner and the front page dominated by a picture of the late traditional musician and singer Seamus Begley and uh, he's pictured in the sitting room of his home house in uh, Ballydavid in County Kerry a wonderful box bear but a really really wonderful, sweet, tuneful uh, singer and he'll be sadly missed indeed also uh, on the examiner today the government will examine bulk buying apartments before they're built in a bid to accelerate the supply of housing. Now that announcement uh, comes following the housing meeting yesterday in government buildings between the Taoiseachley of Radcar and uh, Housing Minister Dara O'Brien but I would imagine there'll be a lot of critique of that because again it will uh, be seen as putting the government rather close to uh, developers some good news this morning. The UN peacekeeper trooper Shane Carney is responding well to treatment following that attack on Irish soldiers in Lebanon last month. And finally, a look at the Irish Indo. And uh, their uh, banner headline today, well, patients are stuck in hospital for over six months. Some patients who no longer 
need to be in overcrowded hospitals or languishing in wards for more than six months because of a lack of um, suitable step-down care. And again, we'll chat about that later on as well. Uh, you might be interested to, to know as well that the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, he used a government jet to fly to Brussels for a UT, uh, routine uh, EU meeting last month, despite an alternative commercial flight being available. So if you want to comment on any of those headlines, 083 311 Now, as Pat told you there during the news, the Golden Globes were on last night in Irish film. The Banshees of Inishirin was the big winner. The ceremony in Beverly Hills last night saw the movie filmed on Ackle Island and uh, off County Mayo, as you know. Uh, scooped three major awards, including Best Picture, Musical or Comedy and Best Screenplay. The wonderful Colin Farrell won uh, one of the Best Actor awards in the comedy drama uh, category. His speech was absolutely wonderful. Let's, let's play a little of that. Martin McDonough, I owe you so much, man. 14 years ago, you put me working with Brendan Gleeson, my dad's partner, and you changed the trajectory of my life forever in ways that I begrudgingly will be grateful to you for the rest of my days. Um, to work on this film, I, I never expect films to work or to find an audience, and when they do, it's shocking to me, and so I'm so horrified by what's happened around Banshees over the last couple of months in a thrilling kind of way. Um, Brendan, I just, I love you so much. I love you so much. To get to, to cohabitate this creative space with you every day, all I did when I came to work every day was aspire to be your equal. I'm not saying I even got there, but the aspiration kept me going. And I thank you for that for the rest of my days also. Kerry, to finally see the world after 20 years of acting, you can forget that piano. To finally see the world after 20 years of acting, find your work now, you're extraordinary. Barry, when you're sharing a house with an actor you're working with, a word of advice, Barry, don't eat his crunchy nut cornflakes and leave him with no breakfast in the morning. Okay, you should never send a man to work on an empty belly. I want to thank Sheila Flitton who played our band She. I want to thank the cast and the crew and the locals of Inishmore and Ackle Island that brought us in and there was lines blurred between all of us so that we were just one big family for the betterment of all of our souls on that experience. And uh, lastly, Jenny the Donkey, who is, yeah, yeah, Jenny. And she's having a, an early retirement because she's still in business. You're welcome to it. I'm one and done, so she's gone. And my kids at home who are watching this, James and Henry, the loves of my life, I love you so much. And thanks, uh, Hollywood Farm Press. All the best, everyone. Uh, brilliant speech uh, altogether. Um, I love the poor old piano player out there who was trying to hint, um, Colin, it's time to go. <laughs> but uh, he wasn't having any of it. It was Eddie Murphy's uh, speech, however, that really gave us a laugh this morning. I want to let you know that there is a, a definitive blueprint that you can follow to achieve success, prosperity, longevity, and peace of mind. It's a blueprint, and I followed it my whole career. It's very simple. There's three things you just do. These three things. Pay your taxes. Mind your business and keep Will Smith's wife's name. Mouth! <laughs> oh, I love it. The great uh, Eddie Murphy with uh, a bit of a comeback as well. 1800 Now, let's begin the show with Berna, who shared a, who shared a story um, with us uh, in uh, Tipperary Town at uh, the weekend. Berna, good morning to you. Hey, friend, how are you? I'm very well indeed, and good to talk to you today. Will you tell me the story of the TY ball and the bus? Yeah, so first, listen, thanks very much for having me on. Very welcome. So, on Saturday night, the TY ball was between St. Anne's, St. Avery's, um, 
Doom, School and the Abbey. So there was three buses due to come to Tipperary and one to go to Cabo White to collect the Doom guys. Now between the Hoppin and the Trotton, um, there was a mix-up with the buses. So um, there seems to be a little bit of misinformation out there that Johnny Carter was the one who left the children. He didn't. He actually, one of the mammies called Johnny Carter and he, as quick as he could, he got to the children. He gave up his Saturday night off to come out into the wet and cold and take a busload of children over to Shannon to enjoy their tea. And, and tell us, Berna, why Johnny had to do that. The hotel that you were going to in Shannon, they they booked uh, three buses, I think, but only a couple of them turned up. Is that the way it was? Yeah. So it was an, it was all done through an events company. Yes. There was a committee from all, like there was a couple of children from each of the schools which formed this committee. Mm. So for one reason or another, I don't know the, the ins and outs as to why the bus didn't arrive, but and my job here is not to slay anybody, yeah, but look at, um, yeah. you know, to human is err. Uh, to err to is human. Mm. It's Freudian slip there, but um, <laughs> so one of the buses didn't arrive on time, and um, there was, now, I also want to say that these children are not four years old, they weren't abandoned yes. up at the plaza. They're 16, 15, 16. There was a bunch of parents with them, and one of the buses just didn't arrive on time. So Johnny Cotter got a phone call from one of the panicked parents um, and he gave up his whole Saturday night off, out, came out from the fire in his lovely cup of tea to bring a busload of children over to Shannon. Wasn't that very, very decent of him? And of course, Johnny has a very reputable bus company anyway, but uh, it was very decent of him to do that. Absolutely super. And he waited in Shannon and brought the same bunch of children home. And the children, they're all chanting. As soon as they heard Johnny Cotter was coming, of course, was Johnny's got you covered. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I'm sure he'll use that in his marketing as well. Um, Tell me about what happened, though, on social media. Some people got the wrong end of the stick. Is Is that fair to say? Yeah, they did. So um, I don't know whether people were misreading it or misunderstanding what happened. But Johnny seemed to get a couple of phone calls and a couple of um, unnecessary messages on social media. And um, I just... Johnny was the hero that night, guys. So... Absolutely. You know, three so, cheers, three so, cheers and, and what you want to do, Bernie, is you want to make that very, very clear, don't you? Very, very clear. It wasn't this. The fault was not Johnny's. Yes. The fault was not the the company, the events company that the children booked through, and the fault was not the children's either. Right. You know. Right. So well. look, I just want to make that very, very clear to make sure that everybody understands. Johnny's got you covered. Johnny's got you covered. And and let's remember that uh, as well. A good night was had by all afterwards, I believe. They had a great night. And as Woody Allen said, all comedy is just tragedy plus time. And the children will have a fantastic story from this. They will indeed. And Johnny will get great mileage out of it as well, if you'll forgive the uh, pun. Bernard, really good to talk to you today. And thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks so much, Thanks for your time. Bye-bye, Janelle. That's Bernard speaking to us there about the mix-up with the buses and the kids being disappointed. And uh, Johnny having everybody covered where that is concerned. 1800 Yesterday, we discussed uh, Tipperary's only Healy, Healy, who uh, made headlines over the weekend amid speculation that she's in a, a trouble. And for those of you who don't know, and I only found out yesterday myself, it's basically three people in a relationship. But is it a good idea? We asked our listeners about this. We asked them for their thoughts. And Declan joins me now. Declan, good morning to you. 
Fran, how's it going? I'm very well indeed, Declan. Your thoughts on a truple, Declan? What do you think? I was asked yesterday if I thought it would work. Um, and I, I thought 100% it can work. But it depends on your position. man like David Hayes, rich, powerful, has all the stamina in the world. Uh, normal people like us, probably not so much, but can definitely work in a certain situations. Right. Do you, so do you think you'd have to be fairly wealthy to be able to... Uh to indulge well, in the trouble. I mean, the, the money, money, money would certainly help. I mean, mm. if the lifestyle there to fund it, you know, yeah. um, keep everyone happy involved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but do you think for for the ordinary man or woman, it mightn't uh, work out too well? I have enough time in the day for myself, so I don't know how I'd manage <laughs> balance two other people. Uh, certainly yeah. not for the average Joe. No. It could, it could be a full time job, uh, all right. You'd wonder what would happen if there was a row then, because you'd end up taking sides or something in it. Well, yeah. I mean, a row involves well, when say David's position, he's a boxer, so nobody's going to start a row with him. Certainly I, not. I suppose, uh, I with myself, if two women started roaring at me, I'm the first one to leave the room. In fact. That's what you do, is it? You you just sort of move off. I just zone out. Look look out yeah. the window. Yeah. Pray very. to be out of the situation, you know, certainly. Very good. Okay, so for, you know, if you're an ordinary man in the street or woman in the street, you're, you're saying no, maybe not for you. It probably won't work. It's probably the dream, but it won't work. Do you think it's the dream? Do you think so? I mean, if I sat in a room with a couple of my mates or sat in a bar with a couple of my friends, we'd probably all say it's the dream, but then... Yeah. It's, it's, as you said, uh, or as I said, it's, it's probably a thing which comes down to money, power, status, a lot of things. But right. I mean, there's a balance there involved as well. And I suppose certainly that. not for the average draw to balance yeah. too. You, you mentioned uh, people sitting in a, in a pub, and I'm just wondering, what do you think about the pint going up uh, again, Declan? What do you, what do you make of that? It's, it's it's all part of it, isn't it? I mean, Heineken only went up recently enough, yeah. so it, it, it was a good move by Guinness to hold off and let Heineken take the flack. Yeah. And then just kind of slip it in in January with the new year with everything else rising. Minimum wage went up. Yeah. And everything else. So is, is there? So somebody was saying to me though, once something goes over the fiver, uh, it's it's a kind of a it's a kind of a mark, isn't it? You know, that once again that you can only that you can't get your two pints for a tenner anymore. That that's a kind of a milestone in some way. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you're handing five fifty now for pints of course in some places. Yeah. Um, I'd say, I'd say the rural areas won't be as bad. I'd say a lot of people might just keep it the way they always have for their customers um, and try and up the price of something else. I mean, there's minerals there that they're probably not as selling as well as they used to be, but they could up the price on those and keep the Guinness point, uh, price point the same. But it's like, like the Dublin, Cork, the, the big cities where, yeah. where you'll see a proper markup because they can and comfortably put 30, 40 cents on a pint now. Probably, yeah. Even though I've heard so much over the years, even back when I was a young lad, oh, if that goes up another 10 cent, I won't be buying. But in reality, people will stay buying buying pints, well, won't they? 100%. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine on Instagram last night, and he said if the price of the pint Guinness hit 20 euros, he'd still be drinking it. <laughs> he you might know, be drinking as many, but he'd still he be won't drinking. He not be drinking as many, no, but if he goes for one or two <laughs> midweek, he yeah. said that's, 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 that's his... Uh, Standpoint because right. if, if the price is staying increasing, he'd stay drinking it. Right, okay, well, and, that, no and that sums it up, doesn't it? Declan, really good to talk to you, and thanks, thanks very much indeed uh, for talking to us today. Thank you, and bye bye to you. That's uh, Declan speaking to us today, 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp 083 311 3311. All right, we'll take a break. Back in a moment. 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie now, we were talking there about the fact that the film The Banshees of Inishirin did extremely well in the Golden Globes uh, last night. But a listener was on to say, I watched the film, Fran. The acting was very, very good, but the story was a load of shite. I wasted two hours that I'll never get back. Poor Jennifer the donkey. And I'm going to go around chopping off my fingers and throwing them at people I don't like. Now, you see, I, I didn't see the movie. So I'm I'm not sure what some of that text is referring to. But if you saw the movie, you might like to give us some uh, feedback on that. Uh, that listener, anyway, um, agreeing that the acting was great, but uh, wondering about the uh, the uh, content of the movie itself. Seemingly, it was a rather dark movie, which is why I find it hard um, to know why it was in the category of uh, musical or comedy, but there you go. Um, Good morning, Fran. Surely we can't expect Stephen Donnelly to fly with the people of Ireland. We just pay for everything. Eamon Ryan would want to explain climate change to his colleagues, and that's making reference to that story in the Indo today that Mr Donnelly and four Department of Health officials travelled on the Learjet um, on Thursday for a meeting uh, of EU health ministers and uh, the excuse they give anyway is that um, it was to facilitate the minister's busy diary commitments. So there you go. What do you make of uh, that? 083 311 Now when I was speaking to Declan I mentioned the fact that the pint is going up. That announcement by Diageo uh, of an increase in the price of its beers including Guinness. Um, probably further bad news for public houses. Uh, Willie joins me now. Willie, good morning to you. Morning, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. What's your take uh, on on this? Publicans will now have to pay an extra twelve cent for a pint of Guinness, so that probably will be passed on, I suppose, to the customers. Yeah, well, it's probably closer to fifteen, Fran. I thought I, I read that statement first, and it is twelve, excluding that, so it is ah, not fifteen cent right. in total. But look, I don't think any publican is too surprised by this. Mm. Talking to people in the trade. They knew this was coming. I mean, once Heineken moved there pre-Christmas with whatever it was, they knew Guinness was going to follow through shortly after Christmas. They knew they were going to let Heineken take the bad PR and mm. just come in the minute, you know, when things quieten down a bit. It was always going to come. It was, it was inevitable. Yeah, I was talking to a publican who told me that it did affect the sale of uh, Heineken uh, at the time and uh, people were moving to Coors instead, uh, who, those who like to drink lager. I mean, Heineken was a fair old increase, and, I, and I'm fond of an old tipple myself, but mm. it was 40, 50, 40 cents. Like, that's fine with a rural Ireland and down around the Torres Temple or this area, but like, where's Wisconsin and the Dublin and the cities it must have been the crazy price altogether. I mean, you're talking a mer- nearly a minimum of six, seven euro, probably, in those kind of, those kind of areas. But, Willie, will it stop people drinking, or will it curtail their drinking, do you think? I doubt it, friend. Yeah. I doubt it. I mean, look, this is the time of the year. It's a quiet period. January, February, you know, it's a quiet, quiet market. There's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of 
it's not the time of year for concerts or matches or this kind of thing. It's a quiet period of the trade. And look, I mean, I was out myself last night at something. I had maybe three pints. Mm. I mean, like the price isn't in now, but if it was, like 45 cents, there was a few. <laughs> Would you even notice? Would you even pick it up if it fell out of your pocket and put it out? phone or whatever it was. You know what so, so it won't affect but yeah, it's coming into effect on the first of next month, isn't it? The first of February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look I don't know does it say something about us as 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 a country still. I mean if next the nine o'clock news and the six o'clock news and people are up in arms over that I mean, hmm. food prices have gone through the roof. You know, I was talking to a guy there the weekend and he says his family six of minutes, four kids and two and it's the annual shot or the weekly shot is three three fifty just for its basics, like, <laughs> and we're obsessed about the fifteen cents that might go that's going on a pint. Does it say something about us? Like, it, I it don't. probably does. We seem to be obsessed with uh, a drink anyway, but it it never stops. I mean, since I was a young lad, I mean, there'd be a big hoo ha about uh, a few pence or a few cents going on on a pint, and next, but we continue on our merry way, I suppose. You know. Well, look, I think the drinking culture has changed, man. I think this this habitual every night of the week have to go out mm. uh, you know that's gone a thing in mm. the past yeah. you were young old timers maybe and yeah so the pubs look, are empty funny. during the week largely aren't they ah, yeah but look yeah. it's understandable for people that maybe are widowed or you know or they're on their own if the company is out they're not mm. exactly falling out the door you know it's just a social thing mm. but that kind of thing I mean I see myself look I don't I, I, I didn't take a drink but that's be something on mm. you need a reason to go or something you don't just go down because you you wouldn't sit at a bar just with the purpose of it wouldn't attract me no yeah. it wouldn't attract me it's done something on and the company and social and meet people that you haven't seen for a while but the idea of going down just to sit at the bar and, and drink this two or three or four it doesn't really appeal to me to be honest with you and that's something on I think a lot of people have moved to that and, and, and the other thing I, I, I was saying to, to Declan there, you know, the kind of milestone of not being able to get two pints for the tenor, um, does that does that play any part in in, in your thinking? I doubt it. No. I doubt it because, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not a smoker, but I see people who do smoke. And a lot of people who go out for the pint smoke and, let, you know, the price of cigarettes, price of cigarettes mm. is crazy. Like, but no matter what they put it, uh, they're still outside the door in the coldest weather and they'll have their five or six smoke over the course of the night or 20 a day or whatever it is and it's irrelevant what it's that. You, you say the whole pub culture thing has changed uh, over over time. I, I couldn't get over lately. I heard um, a statistic that in fact we're drinking an awful lot less than we used to drink. Now, uh, I, yeah, but uh, I, I think we look back with this rose-tinted spectacle like, and think everything, the, the good old days like mm-hmm. five and six and seven, eight pints up the main street of every pub or every every town, not too sure it was that great, friend. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I, I'd say there was a lot of people, and they felt they had to go every night of the week because the rest of them were there, and they felt they were missing something if they weren't there. And I'd say I'd say they were missing something, all right. They were probably missing seeing their own kids or families growing up. Half of them, absolutely. And if you were spending that kind of money every day, I would imagine something had to suffer for it. I suppose. Well, look, you couldn't you couldn't spend that today. Yeah. I, I know it was a lot cheaper relatively back then and maybe the cost of living was cheaper, but earnings were less as well, which you couldn't sustain mm. that today. I, I don't know how anyone could, to be honest with you, on an ordinary, on an ordinary income or a regular income. I, I just don't see how you could justify it, let alone afford it. So as far as you're concerned, this won't 
change things that much? People will still go well, for look, the... I mean, I, you see it every year. Electric picnic tickets will sell out within the half hour or hour that they open and they're a couple of hundred euro. And, you know, the concerts, the, the, the whole lot you go on and they're a hundred euro tickets. And everything, I don't, I don't know, people make a big hullabaloo about it there and then. But does it change their, their attitude or behaviour? I don't think right. radically. I mean, I think it's changing anyway over time. Right. But do you think people will find the money for what it is they want to do? Look, I think people go out more specialised now. They mightn't. I mean, look, I was out maybe, I was out Saturday and I was out Sunday night with something on and I was out mm. last night just at an old community lotto thing for the hour or two. But mm. I don't think people are just going out for the sake of not so much anymore just going out for this few drinks or whatever it is. It's, it's a social thing. It's something on an occasion. Or occasions or, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, concert or music, whatever it is. But the idea of just going out to sit at the bar and same, the same few around you that were telling the same few lies last night <laughs> and last week and the week before. Yeah. You know, it's changed the culture. I suppose. Much, I, I think. suppose. Well, Willie, uh-huh. great, great to talk to you today. And a happy New Year to you and the family. Thanks for coming on with me, Willie. No problem, Fran. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye bye to you now. And that's uh, Willie with his take on the uh, increase there. Where the pint is concerned, how do you feel about that? Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. Somebody else saw that movie, uh, The Banshee of Inisherin, and says, "I've seen the movie, Fran. It's more like a play for stage adapted for film." Well, that's exactly what it is. You see, um, a listener going on to say, "Great acting, especially from Barry Keegan." Um, for me, you wouldn't want to be a bit depressed before you watch it. But there's beautiful scenery. And that's what I mean. You see, it's supposed to be a, a great darkness to, to the play as well as everything else, which, you know, I can't wait to see it because, I mean, it's been nominated in those areas of musical um, or comedy, um, which a lot of people are figuring it, it didn't fit properly into. But anyway, there you go. Carmel joins me. Carmel, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And good to talk to you, Carmel. What is it about primary medical centres that you have an issue with, Carmel? Well, I've only been in one of them, but I certainly uh, feel that they're they're superfluous because um, the one that I went to, I went with a cousin and uh, she required uh, physiotherapy. Mm -hmm. But on the number of occasions, which is about six in 2022, there was nobody else in the unit at all. Lovely unit in Carrick and Shore Mm -hmm. and um, lifts and everything and I just couldn't uh, justify myself, to myself, why the necessity arose at all. So it was virtually empty is what you're saying, Carmel, isn't it? Virtually empty, that's right. Now, wonderful care from the physiotherapist, I have to say, but could be done at any other place, do you know? And to find as well that over the years, the hospital had served a lot of people Mm -hmm. in the public arena and uh, people had great care in that it was public. This is St. Bridget's so you're, you're that's, talking That's right. Yes. That's mm. over at the side, mm-hmm. left to one side there and uh, ignored completely. And all I could see was cars outside which seemed to be staff. And uh, now uh, they seem to be popping up everywhere. Mm. I had um, rest checked then uh, there in November. I had occasion to go to um, care. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's changed now from Clonmel. It used to be behind um, St. Michael's in Clonmel. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, they've changed it up to care. And there again, there was another medical centre, all in darkness. And the unit was 
placed uh, sort of adjacent at the side to it and um, nobody there either. So I can't for the, for the life of me do, understand. Do you, what is what, the story with them, Carmel? I mean, are they private essentially? Is that is that what they are? Well, I think they're, they're meant to be, uh, you know, uh, getting a number of, of um, expert uh, people like uh, physiotherapy, yes. physiotherapists and, and um, maybe occupation therapists or mm. uh, um, venues where people can have uh, a one-step uh, place to go to. But it's not happening that way. Yes. You know, I, I just... And the, is it that people with the expertise are not interested or they're just not available to? No, I think, no, I think, I think there isn't the demand that right. people are saying that, that uh, necessitates yeah. having them. Because the one in Carcassonne, that is a fantastic building. It's a, it's a beautiful it? yeah. building. Yeah. With the lovely glass panels at the top and you, you take the... the the, the lift at the ground floor, yes. and you go up to the first floor, and then you turn to you go on to the right and left, and uh, or left and right, whichever it is, and you wait your turn, and you go yes. into a state of the art um, uh, area. Where and this was purpose built, there. Carmel, wasn't it? For the, all for purpose that. built, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Instead of the of Saint Bridget's there, even though there was a. Um, across the way uh, unit, I think, therefore, mm. uh, diabetics, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think the diabetic thing is moved over there then to to the primary medical centre as well. Yes. But just, uh, you know, isolated. Nothing, nobody there. And, you know, that's... Uh, yeah, and that found, you know when you, you know, when you talk about this, and and then in parallel we hear about the issue of you know capacity where hospitals are concerned and the like. You know, yes, it's, yeah, it's, that's it's, why my thought, my thinking on it was, wouldn't it be lovely if we had some some place, say like Carrick and Shore Hospital, St Bridget was there, mm. and a lot of people don't want to go into nursing homes, private mm. nursing homes, yeah. and if you're in a nursing home where there are people walking up and down, which I think used to be the case um, in Cashel. Yeah. Hearing from now, I didn't have the experience of it, but people used to say, "Oh my goodness me, I was in a nursing home, but I prefer to be in St Patrick's in Cashel because there was such a volume of people walking up and down." You know, there was there was actually um, people functioning. You know, walking mm. up and yeah. and looking in on people. And yeah, it was fantastic service there. Yeah, we all yeah. we all benefited from St Patrick's over the years in Cashel. Every family, I would say, in Cashel benefited yes. from the wonderful work yes. done. And there, it yeah. was renowned. Yes, absolutely. People, if they were visiting other. Uh, patients there, they would always say hello to the patient that was near to the course, to yes. their loved one. So uh, uh, that's lacking now. And what and we're hearing, and we'll hearing. be discussing it later as well, Carmel, is that, I mean, one of the reasons that there's such a uh, difficulty in the hospitals is that you can't get people out or find a place for a step down for them. But places like St. Patrick's and St. Bridges and all these wonderful facilities well, wonderful. Uh, would, 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 would be able to do that, you know? Would be exactly. And that's what I'm saying. That's what's lacking. Yeah. The public facility, and even with the with the actual, uh, what is this at all, um, um, the fair deal scheme and all of that, yeah. we just don't have the facility anymore. And now there's another one proposed for Feathered. Mm. And, you know, there won't be, they said, uh, the pharmacies there. But anyway, um, Kilkenny has another one there. Yes. And the, uh, doctors, doctors moved, all moved up there. So there's different uh, uh, floors there for, I was in there once, I think it was, 
a number of years ago and the pharmacy moved up there and then there's all right. the different And does things. that appear to be busier? And That appears to be busier, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. And oh. the town then, there's there's actually in the town, in, in, in the, sorry, the city of Kilkenny, hmm. then there would be the, the pharmacies just like they have in Clonmel as well. But it's duplication, I think, you know, and it's also negligence on behalf of the, the elderly people, those with dementia, Alzheimer's, people who could go in maybe for two days or three days and the, the loved one could uh, take a rest yes. or there would, be, there would be something for them. Yeah. And not, just like you said, no step-down facility at all. Just maybe to go to someplace 20 or 30 miles away. You know, and I think there needs to be a whole rethink by the Department of Health before more millions are spent again, you know, on well, another one. I'm sure, one. I'm sure, Carmel, a lot of people would agree with you on that, so that our health system needs a complete um, rethink Overhaul, for sure. Yes, Carmel, yes. really good to talk to you today, and thank you yes. for that. We appreciate and it, And may I also say I'm an advocate of the Carers Association of Ireland, yeah. and may I also congratulate... Um, um, Richie Malai, because he put uh, what was put in the in the submission mm. has come to fruition, yeah. and on January for those who were not able to get the carers allowance, or sorry, not the carers allowance, the fuel allowance, yes. and they will now be able to get it for the first time. And he is a mighty man who never looks for any um, uh, praise at all, and uh, is very pivotal in this society, and. Um, we need more help, as I said, and we need more people to come on side and come on radio and help the elderly. Uh, well, because I think they're being the forgotten people. Well, well said, Carmel, and we're always delighted to have Richie take part with us here. You you look after yourself, Carmel, and thank you for coming and, on with me. And thank you thank very you. much for thank listening. You. Thank you. Any time at all, Carmel. And I love your programme. Uh, you're very kind. Thank you, Carmel. Thank you and good morning to you. That's Carmel speaking to us uh, today. Uh, Thomas was on today. Again, we're back to the Banshee of uh, Inishirin and um, Thomas says um, a, the movie, whatever it's called, he says it was red raw useless. <laughs> I love that as a film uh, review. It was just red raw useless, says Thomas. Alright, we'll take a break. We're back with more in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, the Labour Party has called for mandatory mask wearing on public transport and in congregated settings for the months of January and February. The party's health spokesperson, Duncan Smith, uh, said that there needs to be a stronger public health advice from the chief medical officer uh, where this is concerned and also from the health minister. Now, it comes amid a growing number of COVID-19, flu and RSV cases in Ireland. Well, Professor Anthony Staines is Head of Health Systems in the School of Nursing in DCU and he joins me now. Uh, Professor Staines, good morning to you. Good morning. And we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much for coming on with us. Um, Could I begin by asking you about that new version of COVID-19? They're calling it Kraken, I think. Well, it's a slightly dramatic term. Its official name is XBB 1.5. What it is, it's it's another Omicron strain. So Omicron is a type of covid that is everywhere now. And there's a number of different versions of Omicron. Mm. And this is just the latest. It's, it seems to be 
maybe a tiny bit more infectious than the previous version. But other than that, not very different. And the experience so far is that vaccination gives you great protection against serious illness and against death from this strain. But it doesn't give you a lot of protection against getting it. And it doesn't give you a lot of protection against spreading it. It probably gives you some, which is certainly worthwhile, Mm. but not a lot. But not a lot. But it may save your life, which is worth doing. Absolutely. And where this variant is concerned, is this responsible for the huge spike in numbers, though? It's not clear yet. The variant was identified first in the United Kingdom and identified in the United States. There are cases here. It has begun to spread in China also. But we don't have a program of detailed surveillance of variants here at the moment. But the indications are, no, it's not, that the large number of cases was due to the previous version. Yes. Um, but the concern, obviously, is that this may just lead to more cases. We, uh, we don't know. We, we don't really know what will happen. Right. But uh, do I take it from you that this is expected to happen where these uh, sort of viruses are concerned, that they do evolve in some way? Yes. It, it's the nature of this particular virus. It, it throws off strains with great regularity. Some viruses hardly vary at all. Mm. This one varies a lot. And that's unfortunate for us. Now, fortunately, the strains have not been getting more clinically severe. In other words, people are not getting any notably sticker with them. Uh, And also, fortunately for us, the strains don't seem to be able to break through vaccination in the sense of causing widespread severe illness in the vaccinated. So the vaccines still protect you against the worst outcomes from these strains, which is great news. Very very good. But it's more transmissible, though. It seems to be a bit more transmissible than the previous version. And the previous version was very, very transmissible indeed. So it's not good news from that point of view. And that's the context, I think, in which the Labour Party may be asking for mandatory masking. And that was my next question to you. So I presume you go along with that advice from from the Labour Party health spokesperson then? I, I would, yes. I think at the moment in crowded indoor areas, and on public transport, uh, we should be wearing masks because it's something we can do that is relatively cheap, relatively non-invasive, and moderately effective at reducing transmission and reducing the risk of getting it. The longer-term solution is good ventilation, good air filtration. We've seen examples of public transport in Asia where they have uh, high-efficiency air filters on buses for example. Mm. And there's no special or magic reason we couldn't do the same here. And are you surprised that the Taoiseach is not going along with this in terms of making the mask wearing mandatory in certain situations? Does that surprise you? I'm a little surprised because the pressures in the health service would would be very familiar to the Taoiseach, both as a a former doctor and as a former minister for health. Mm. They would be extremely familiar um, and my sense at the moment would be that you know, Minister Donnelly is doing everything he possibly can to damp down the current crisis. This is another thing we could do that might help damp down the current crisis because it will slow down the spread mm. of COVID and flu and probably RSV too. And, and the people on the front line coming out and saying, yes, there should be mandatory masks. I mean, nurses and doctors saying this. Yes, 
mean, the INMO have been calling for it for some time and their calls have been getting stronger. And they're not really getting much in the way of response from the government for it. But I, I think as a matter of simple prudence, you know, from most of us should be wearing masks. Mm. As, um, a, as a personal responsibility, you mean, you for ourselves even, for our own health, I suppose. It, it, it provides you with a level of protection. It also reduces the risk of you infecting somebody else. You don't know what the person is beside you in the bus, what their state of health is. They may be as healthy as a trout. They may actually be immunosuppressed. They may know it. They may not know it. Um, you know, we're, you're, you're taking a risk every time you sit down. Yes. And masking is a fairly effective way of, that's within your control to reduce that risk. Masking and getting vaccinated, it, getting boosted. As you know, the flu vaccine is being pushed again mm-hmm. in children as the number of cases of flu has rocketed in, in younger children. Yes. Um, so, you know, we, we all need to take the vaccines that are available. Because, again, it's something we can do. And and on that note, Anthony, are you surprised at the rather low uptake of booster vaccination um, in the last while as well? It seems to be a rather low percentage of people um, uh, taking it on board. I I think the uptake could be... The uptake is not bad, but it could certainly be better. And I, I think a message that we need to push out for this virus is that it's likely unless we develop a radically new vaccine, and there is work on that right now, but unless we develop a, an effective and radical new vaccine, it's likely we're going to need to get boosted for this regularly, perhaps on an annual basis mm. for the foreseeable future. So it's, it's in, way, in a way, it's like flu vaccine. Flu vaccine is, is very helpful, but it only reduces your risk of getting flu by about 60%, and you need to get it every year. COVID is going to be something similar. Perhaps the vaccine is not quite as effective at stopping transmission, but it is effective at stopping the worst outcomes of of COVID, so which for, is fantastic. For, for the foreseeable future, COVID will be part of our lives, you think? I think so, yes. Yeah. Um, are you concerned about what's happening in China? Yes, I would be very concerned, you know, in just in human terms, the number of people who've died, the number of people who've fallen ill, the pressure on their health service is astronomical. Mm. It looks like the same strains are circulating in China that are circulating here. And I'm really delighted the Chinese authorities have begun to contribute strains again to the international coordinated effort. So there's no sign, fortunately, of you know a new strain arising in China yes. that will cause problems outside China. But the price in China is is huge because you know, it's unlike, say, New Zealand, where they brought very tight controls and movements in and out of the country and then vaccinated everyone who moved. So that produced quite a, a good outcome mm. when COVID began to spread in New Zealand. In China, there's a sizable proportion of vulnerable people who are not vaccinated, Just, you know, despite fairly serious efforts in the state. Uh, but there is a there is a high number of people who are not vaccinated, and there, you know, we can see the consequences of that playing out now. 
Does it worry you that uh, there seems to be more people speaking out about um, the side effects of vaccination, people speaking out about excess deaths? I heard it happening in the House of Commons and indeed in the European Parliament as well. Um, People getting to their feet and speaking about this now. And I'm just wondering what effect that would have then on, um, you know, normal people who make a decision whether or not to, to be vaccinated or be boosted. I, I think it causes concern, but I think what people need to grasp is that many of the excess deaths are related to heart disease and stroke, which both of which increase substantially after COVID infection. And there are very, very detailed studies of many thousands of people who've been vaccinated and many thousands of people who haven't. There are short-term effects in some people with vaccines, so they seem to be rather rare. This is one of the safer human vaccines. These old vaccines have side effects. Without, I think, any exception, all vaccines have some side effects. COVID seems to be one of the safer vaccines on the market, which is great. And we know the consequences of wild infection with COVID are quite, quite significant in terms of excess deaths, in terms of unexpected deaths never mind whatever the long-term effects may be. That's very so, interesting. So the possibility you know, is that it's COVID infection that is causing the excess deaths and a lot of the fallout, as opposed to the vaccination. That, that is the likelihood. Um, you know, we, for any vaccine, we always do a kind of risk-benefit analysis. So measles vaccine is a very safe vaccine, but a, a tiny proportion of children become seriously ill after it. Mm. But the proportion of children who become seriously ill after measles is 100 times higher. And essentially, without vaccination, every child will get measles. Without vaccination, everyone will get COVID and will be exposed to the risk of severe illness and death. That's, that's just a reality. The vaccine, this vaccine doesn't prevent you getting COVID, but it does prevent the worst effects it greatly yes. reduces the risk of dying after COVID. Well, that, that, I think that's what confuses people, Anthony, is that, you know, with polio vaccination or measles, it stops you getting those conditions. Yes. Whereas this, it, it, it just mitigates, I suppose, the, the damage that the virus can yes. do to you. Yes, it, that's, exa- that's very well put. That's exactly what happens. And it's unfortunate, you know, we, we may, it's unfortunate that's the case. And we may have a vaccine in a couple of years' time that stops this, that stops transmission. And if we do, we might be able to control COVID. Yes. But at the moment, we don't. We have the vaccines we have, and we're, we're kind of stuck with them. Um, I, we, we just need to use them as effectively as we can and as widely as we can. Could I finally ask you, uh, because of the experience we've had with COVID, and I suppose I'm speaking globally here, um, over the last few years, are we ready for the possibility of another virus, whether similar or whatever? Are we ready to deal with that better, if you know what I mean? Um, not really, no. Well. We, we haven't put in place globally the kind of surveillance systems. We haven't put in place in our own country the kind of surveillance and response systems. If, God forbid, there was another major pandemic starting in a month's time, we'd still be running around scrambling from ground zero to bring it under control. And, you know, we would do that. People would would put their, their shoulders to the wheel and push. But 
we're, we're not ready yet at European level or, or Irish level or global level. And that's just the reality. Hopefully we will be before it happens. But it's, it's something we need to make the investment in now so that we're able to manage this if, God forbid, something like this happens again. And, you know, the, the evidence is that climate change will drive a higher risk of pandemics in the future. That's certainly uh, uh, very much uh, food for thought. Uh, we, we know how busy you are, so we always appreciate your time, Professor Staines. Thank you so much. Thank you and good morning to you. Thanks. Professor Anthony Staines there speaking was the head of health systems in the School of Nursing in DCU. 1800 938 007. News and information is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. One of our listeners says, I love your discussions uh, this morning, Fran. We as a nation are extremely good at talking about things, but very slow to act. If people decided to boycott Diageo's drink for a couple of weeks, you might find that they would uh, reconsider. Less drinks sold, less profit. The people have the power to affect most decisions, but we don't use it, which is interesting. This listener goes on to say... I wonder if I changed my name to King Faisal or something similar, would I be able to make up a threesome or a foursome or indeed a fivesome? <laughs> Incidentally, I'm a pensioner. I keep it going, Fran. It says here. Well, thank you very much indeed. We certainly will. Indeed, uh, 083 311 I was speaking to Carmel earlier on about uh, primary care centres and a listener in response was on to say the primary care centre in care is fully occupied with uh, doctors and children's care and it's a very busy spot indeed. Thank you for that. Now, our interview with Anna this week got a tremendous uh, response and our Facebook post uh, received one of the biggest reactions ever on the show. Now, if you didn't hear it, Anna, her husband and her three children were camping in a tent outside of the council offices in Clonmel because they were unable to secure emergency accommodation. Well, I'm delighted to say that Anna joins me now. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. And really good to talk to you today, Anna. Tell me, since uh, Ali spoke to you on Monday, what's been happening Oh, I've had great response from the community because of Tip FM and people getting to hear my story. Um, it still took a lot of um, crying and embarrassing myself to the council to prove myself that um, I was actually homeless because they didn't believe me. Um, but since then, um, they have phoned around seeing if I could stay with family when they realised I couldn't. Then they um, put me up in emergency accommodation in, I am now in Cashel Hostel. Um, before that, um, there was two lovely ladies who took me in. Um, I think they want to stay anonymous, so I'll keep it at that. Okay. Yeah. Um, they took me in for the night in their home, which not many people would do, take strangers into their home, and I'm so grateful for them. Um, I'd also like to thank Shoreside Suicide Prevention Team, um, June Luby and Jacinta Mullen, 
Um, they were amazing. They'd mm. done the whole of the town at night time trying to get um, hotels for me and my husband and my kids. But unfortunately, they couldn't get anywhere. Um, that's when the two ladies took us in. And then all of the community is just constantly, you know, checking up on us, um, messaging me, making sure we're okay, offering us food, blankets. I'm just shocked at the amount of people who want to help and keep in contact to make sure we're okay. Um, but as for now, we've been given emergency accommodation here in hospital until Friday. Right. And what about um, after that then, Anna? What can you expect? We, I don't know. I'm, that's what I'm still in massive fear over. Mm. Like my husband does say, try and calm down until Friday, but I can't. I'm, when it, like this situation that I'm in, I'm a, my anxiety is just, you know, top notch. It's just really up there. I just feel sick every day thinking when it comes to Friday, what's going to happen? Right. And is uh, there a possibility that you might be back in square one on Friday, Anna? Oh, that's that's what I fear. That's what I fear because I said that to um, the lady in the council office. I said, oh, "What happens after Friday? Am I going to be back at square one all over again? Am I going to be just stuck in a circle?" You know. Yeah. Um, and then she said, "Well, we're giving it to you until Friday, and basically come back on Friday." But, and then we'll talk more. Right. But did they explain to you that something would be looked at in the meantime? Or is it a case that on Friday you look at something it, else? I mean, how does that work? Um, they told me to um, be looking at a HAP. Um, most of the HAP places that I can find that are still with my family or that they they give me papers for is really expensive, even with HAP. Right. So you'd have um, to add a considerable amount of money to, to the HAP payment. Is that yes, it? Yes. Um, I've explained that. I said... I like I am they said you're desperate so you should be well off for taking anywhere I said I understand where you're coming from but in the long run I said I probably wouldn't it probably be worse off me being in a half house because me not being able to keep up on top of the bills with how much money I'd have to put on top of that I'd probably be put out of there and be back at square one all over again do you know what I mean right so you wouldn't have enough money not not for to put like a landlord already told me yeah, even with half you'd be paying anywhere between like five, six hundred on top of HAP, um, which my family wouldn't be able to afford, you know. Um, but they said social housing isn't an option as well, but I can't have that as the front. And other people were saying that social housing is there for my family, you know, like we don't work at the minute, like we both suffer mental health. Um, at the minute, my husband doesn't work because of mental health reasons. Right. <laughs> Um, they know that we've had let doctors' letters signed and everything, but for now, like this, where we are now is so much better than like where we were. Right. Well, and I can't imagine because where where you were, you were out in the elements. Your your children were cold. Um, it I was difficult. To, yeah, and and you explained. They were, crying, they were blaming me. Why can't you just buy us a house, mommy? Like they don't understand. They think like I can just you know get money and just like buy a house for nothing. Do you know what I mean? But of course, oh, yeah. they they don't understand, and I presume they no. see other kids who have a home to go to. Exactly, and, and exactly. As well, yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about the history, Anna. I mean, did you come from Wales relatively recently? I, I know I'm you're originally from, from Clonmel, but uh, I'm from Clonmel. Yes, and um, I moved to Wales um, a few years ago. I can't remember exactly how long it was yeah. with my partner. Um, it was over there for a few years for mental health reasons. I moved away. I think what started it, to be honest, was postpartum depression. Yes. And it got very, very bad. And I felt like I wasn't getting enough help over there. So I wanted to come back for to get help. Yes. 
when I came back, um, I did stay with my mother at the time, um, but for many reasons that I don't really want to discuss yeah, right now. Of course, for many yeah. reasons, I couldn't stay there, you know. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. stay there. It wasn't even an option to stay there long term. Right, so, and, um, and hence the position you were in that. And, and mental health at the moment, I don't mean to be too intrusive, Anna, no. but how, how are you at the moment? Um, with my anxiety, I get sick a lot because the, not knowing what the future brings, you know? Yes. It, it's just a case of really just not knowing what the future brings. There's, no, there's still no real stability in our lives, do you know what I mean? Um, like, right now, with the fear and the anxiety and, like... I'm just sick all the time from the anxiety, thinking, what what happens on Friday? You know? Yeah. And, like, when we go back on Friday, will they say another three days? And, like, how long is this going to go on for, like, you know? Because when they say, like, another three days, another three days, I'm going to be thinking all the time, what happens next? Are they going to say, right, there's not more we can do? That's my, my fear. Right. And anybody would be anxious about that. But if you have, yes. if you're prone to depression and uh, anxiety, anxiety and that, yeah. of course, yes, it's going to, to make it worse, I would uh, imagine. Oh, yeah. So at the moment, you're, you're looking to see what's available on HAP, but you're not too hopeful about that because it's so expensive. I'm not too hopeful about that because of how expensive it is and because of the amount of um, places we have applied to um, and that never got back. And it hasn't only been since we've been, um, hasn't only been recently since the council told us, look, we've been looking for a long time um, for a private rent and nobody ever gets back. Or when someone gets back and says, oh, we've got loads of people viewing, viewing the properties. Um, and I told the council that, they said, we've just got to keep on looking, you know. Um, but yeah, my, of course, as, like anyone, I would like social housing because it's more affordable for my family. Yes. Um, but I, you know, the council says that it is an option, but I've got to be looking as well. So I do have to look, you know, and show so them that I'm looking for them to help me. I, I, I'm just looking at the screen in front of me here and, uh, you know, as I say, and, and the last time you spoke to Ali as well, I mean, a huge outpouring of, uh, of I know. Uh, you know, support for you and all of that kind of oh, thing. Were, were you really surprised uh, at that? Oh, my God, I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked. And I think it was because of how bad things had been and how um, I thought I'd get nowhere with the council and I just, you know, I thought, out of whim, I was desperate and I thought, you know what, I will, I'll just speak. I will just speak on Tip FM. Yeah. Didn't really think much would come of it now. I, if anything, I thought, you know, maybe, you know, the council will hear about it and, yes. you know. Yeah. But I, didn't, I, I couldn't believe the amount of the community that got in touch with me. Like, just, they didn't know what to do with me. Yes. Like, Many, many, there are so many names that I couldn't even name them all. I just want to thank every everyone, if everyone is listening, I want to thank every, each and every single one of you. And if, if there is a message that I don't answer back, it's because I'm getting hundreds a day. Right. Um, uh, no. there, there's a couple of people in here, however, saying that, were you evicted from, from a place, Anna? Were no, no, I... I've seen a comment about that on Facebook and I don't have a clue where that came from. Yeah. I was in um, a council apartment in Wales. Yes. And I left that myself for mm. mental health reasons. But you, you weren't evicted from that or anything? Oh, no, 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 no. no. no, no. The council here in Clonmel have even been in touch with um, where I was staying in Wales. Okay. And yes. the council know I haven't been evicted. And where has this come from, do you think? Because I'm just... I have no idea. Yeah. I, I really don't. I think people just think that I, I got evicted and now I'm coming back, you know, right, here. But, but that's not the case. That's not the case at all, no. And if it was, I would 
you know, I would say, I say, oh, look, I'm depicted for whatever reason and yeah, now I need yeah. help, but that's not the case. I left for mental health reasons. Um, the council over there has told the council here that they know that. Um, no, it's nothing to do with eviction. Okay. Well, we'll follow the story and, uh, and we wish you the very, very best. And, Thank you uh, so very much. And as I say, the response to you, absolutely, probably one of the biggest reactions we've had to it anything. It was amazing, I know. On the show. So good. All right, well, my best to you and the family, Anna, and thank you for coming on with me this morning. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, thank you. Bye-bye to you now. Bye-bye. That's Anna there speaking to us from uh, um, emergency accommodation, indeed, in Cashel, where she's been looked after very well at the moment, but again, it's only temporary until Friday. 1800-938-007, the text and WhatsApp. Uh, and, of course, if you want to speak to Emma, you can do so for free. 1800 938 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie The Chief Executive of Nursing Homes Ireland, Tyg Daly, has said there are a significant number of beds across the private nursing home sector available for use amid large numbers of well patients remaining in hospital due to lack of discharge options. Now, Sandra Farrell is uh, operator of uh, Patterson's Nursing Home in Rossgray and uh, the Family Lodge in Care. And Sandra joins me now. Good morning, Sandra. Morning, Fran. Uh, great to talk to you today, and thank you for making time for us. Um, no what, what about this? Does this reflect your situation, what Ty Daly is telling us, Sandra? So I've been watching and listening to Ty Daly and about the bed crisis over the last while. And, you know, we hear this 530 patients ready for discharge, and mm. apparently the figure is 65% of those require long-term care. Mm. And I agree with that, and I agree with Ty Daly saying, but there's a few pinch points. Friend, and there's a few good reasons why there are still 530 people waiting for a discharge. So one, I would say, I'd put my other hat on, I used to be a home care manager. Yes. So the problem is one of the complex care needs probably of a lot of these people. In an ideal world, a lot of these people could be cared for at home. They'd have the resources put in place. They'd have the equipment put in place and they'd have staffing put in place. But as we know, we don't have all any of those. We don't have the funding for home care, we don't have the staff for home care, and we don't have uh, the equipment mainly in place. So that's one good reason. Then when we look at the nursing home structure, and we have, as you know, the two-tier system at the nursing homes. We have the private uh, private nursing homes, and you have the public, Mm -hmm. and the big price discrepancy. So the likes of, say, a nursing home like our own, we might get €50,000 per bed in the private sector. In the public sector, you get €80,000 per bed per year. That's a massive difference of 30000 per year per bed. So people with complex needs in a hospital, they, that means that they have maximum dependency needs, more than likely need extra staffing in the nursing home plan. And because the private sector does not get the same amount of money in the public sector, they don't have extra money there to actually hire extra staff or bring in an extra uh, staff, say, oh. a resume need two or three staff. So in, you, you, might, staff. you might have the beds, Sandra, but, we but may have you, the beds, you don't, but we have, don't the have the staff the for, for complex needs. Particularly. Or we don't have the funding 
And yes. that's the biggest friend. So, like, we go back to the different rates of the fair deal. But then also the funding strands, and they mentioned transitional care fund, which is available. Mm. But it's only available in different areas of the country. Mm. Uh, so I now notice, because we're in North Tipperary and Pastons and Bramley Lodge in South Tipperary, Chalk and Cheese, how the HSE runs. We're in different CHO re- region. Funding comes different ways. We apply different ways. So it's not that's, all that's the same. That's incredible. So it's a different... It's different in how it's administered. Is that is that what you're Absolutely. saying? Absolutely, they're called different things. You'd have transitional care fund in one area. Lately, actually, in the last number of months, they've tried, and most people won't know this because it's internal, but they have a system called short stay therapeutic beds, where the HSC are now trialing that they block maybe three, four beds in a nursing home, and they would pay extra money for those beds to hold them for discharges. A brilliant idea. They're piloting at the moment. Apparently, it's supposed to run nationally. Mm. Um, we contend for it from March on. I don't think that's going to happen. They're not ready for March. That's what I hear. But that's an excellent idea. But why should they have to pay more for those beds? We should be on equal parity all the time with the public sector. Then we won't have these issues, Fran. And and this is a huge issue to to get over, I suppose, is it? Massive, massive. And, you know, the funding is the most crucial one for us. And it's not because we're being tight, it's just we don't have that extra funding, put the extra staff in because we don't get it from the fair deal. Yes, well, we're, we're seeing nursing homes closing down all over the place, Sandra. And, you know. uh, yeah, absolutely. We've lost so many beds and then we hear the government coming out and saying, oh, well, you know, new beds are opening. They're opening in the high area, density area, urban areas. And I'll go back to another area of why delayed discharges. is ge- geography, Fran. So a patient from UHL probably won't want to travel 65 kilometres to Bramley Lodge Nursing Home today. Right. You know? Yeah. So the pinch point is, again, geography. So most nursing homes that are available are probably in the rural area. They didn't say that when they said there's well, a thousand beds available. that's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that, yeah. No, so yeah. probably most nursing homes around UHL are actually all full today. So if you go out into the rural uh, county areas, yes, there's beds available. Right. But they're available for a different reason. And we're open to admissions all the time. But it has to come down to funding, Fran, and we keep going on about this all the time. What about the know? speed at which fair deal schemes are applied as well? Is, is that an issue, Sandra? There's, there seems to be a bit of a backlog on a lot of that, is there? Um, you know, years ago it was up to 12 weeks. Now you'd have four to six weeks. The issue, again, is getting the transitional care fund model up and running effectively. So that means that a person waiting in hospital, if they've applied fair deal, there's a thing called the transitional care fund where the hospital will release the funding up to such time, I think it's 10 weeks, until the fair deal is actually um, given to that person. So it means that they'll cover the full care of the nursing home up to that 10 weeks process. So it's not really a big deal. The big deal is just trying to get that initial funding sanctioned. So again, it could take three, five, seven days to be sanctioned in some uh, hospitals across the country. it used to be just Monday to Friday. Discharge coordinators were off at the weekends. I'm not sure, obviously, probably in the last in the last few weeks of crisis, mm. that's probably seven days a week. And then there's a issue that nursing homes are reluctant to take admissions over the weekend because if I had a patient coming today that's from County Limerick coming to County Tipperary, I have no GP cover for them for the weekend if they wow. get sick. Wow. So it, the onus is on us and the responsibility is on us as a care provider in the nursing home to make sure we have GP cover for them. And then, as we know, the access to Shannon Dock over the Christmas was a standstill. 
So unfortunately, then we had admissions in the hospital because we couldn't access GP or Shanadoc. So there's so many strands uh, to this. I mean, Tyg Daily made it sound rather simplified, to be honest with you, Sandra. Everything sounds simple until you go under the first layer, Fran, and then you see it's much more complex. Today, I'll say I have two beds in Bramley. Yes, I'll take admissions, but that will take time on behalf of the hospital administration to get the funding in place. And as well as that, would you have to do some sort of, a, I don't know, a pre-admission assessment or something, would you? Yes, sorry, yes, and that's another issue. So uh, anyone that is coming to us long term, we always try to do a pre-assessment, whether in the hospital or at home. That means that one, the potential uh, resident coming to us gets to know us, gets to know who we are, friendly face when they arrive. Also, then we can assess their care needs. Can we actually meet their care needs? Can we determine, you know, how many it takes to maybe assist them from bed to chair, their dietary requirements, have they any extra needs? Maybe they need dressings that we mightn't have in stock to order them. So, you know, it's not as easy pick up the phone, yes, come on, we'll take two, send out the ambulance. It's not as easy as that, Fran. Also, as we learned to our our detriment uh, during COVID, um, also t- transmitting virus and, you know, patients coming in and maybe bringing virus with them. Is, is that still an issue as well? Uh, it's still an issue, but I suppose we have screening in place. And what we've noticed, actually, and I know I'm going off the point a bit, we had an outbreak in Passions over Christmas. And the residents were relatively well because they had their vaccines. Yes. But 10 days later, they got very sick. And they got very sick with the RSV or, you know, or a different strand of something else. So it wasn't actually the COVID they were sick with. But I suppose their immune system was hit and then they got another virus. And that's what they're saying the last few days, these multiviruses. You know, it's a perfect storm. Because our residents were okay with COVID, but they weren't okay then with the other viruses they got. So Isn't it's it? something just to watch, you know. So if, yeah. if nursing homes are to be the saviours of the situation in our hospitals or part of a suite of measures mm-hmm. to, to do, um, a lot of money has to be put into this, obviously. And, and are you hearing yeah. any conversation about that? No, I suppose, look, as a nursing home body, uh, we are advocating for fair deal, literally, yeah. with the rates of pay between the public and private sector. And this myth that, you know, the public nursing homes have higher complexity needs. No, they don't. We cater for the same type of resident. The only benefit they have is they can pay their staff extra and they can retain their staff. You know, we have to give a pay rise. This Obviously, we give a pay rise at the 1st of January to our staff to retain our staff. Um, we feel look, we train them and then they move on and they're entitled to move on. Mm. But in order for us to retain our staff and deliver quality of care, which we do and we want to do, then we have to have pay parity mm. with regard but to you, the fair you're not, rate. You're not competing at the moment on, on a fair playing field. Is that, is that fair? Oh, absolutely say? not. No, like 30,000 euro of a difference per bed in the public nursing, the private nursing, not a hope friend. And that's why the smaller nurses are closing, you know? And that's why, you know, there's, there's so much uh, struggle and uh, these big nursing homes opening 100 beds. You know, I often say uh, because I've had an 80-bed nursing home and now we have the smaller nursing home, 26-bed, 24-bed. So I often say that if a person sneezes in a smaller nursing home, we hand them a tissue. But in an 80 to 100-bed, it turns into pneumonia. That's the difference. And we need to retain the smaller nursing home model. Yes. Uh, I think but that's but if future. that notion comes in of contracting beds in, those, in nursing homes, does that make it very attractive for these uh, big uh, companies to come in and build like large nursing homes in, in areas? Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah. And we'll squeeze out the smaller nursing homes. It certainly will. Uh, it's some, for some nursing homes that are they're trying the pilot, it has been the lifeline to keep them open. 
because they are getting the pay parity like a public sector nursing home bed. So it has been a lifeline for the smaller ones, but if it goes out to tender and you, you pick a five-star building or a home-from-home, home, maybe three-star uh, building, you know, who are they going to pick? It's the five-stars. So that's the issue as well, Fran. It's, it's so complex. And I would love to say, yeah, look, 530 patients, send them out to nursing homes. One is the geography, two, funding, and... Uh, you know, it's just, it's very difficult. Um, yeah. yeah. What, what about the age profile in, in nursing homes like your own at the moment? I presume it's in, in the 80s, is it? Uh, it's 80s plus, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some cases that you may have younger people because of social circumstance or disability. Um, and, you know, to actually go back to the what they were trying with the, um, the new bed, you know, model with regard to the contracting the extra extra beds in the yes. HSC. What I've noticed actually, because we're, we're pilot airing in that, is that it moves, and I use the word problem because I don't call any person a problem, but honestly, that's what they call it. Is they move it to a nursing home and these people think they're going home. These people with complex needs think they're coming to a nursing home for a respite right. to go home, but they never get home. We have a few now people that have come and they're, they're waiting to have home care put in place to have the funding in place, the staff in place, and they're still waiting six months later, Fran. My God. And, and uh, you know, this is backing everything up then, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So they'll move it to one bed, literally, the uh, public hospital into a nursing home. And then that person is sitting there hoping they're getting home for Christmas and they didn't get home for Christmas because they will never have two carers uh, three times a day put into their ro- house in rural Ireland. They'll never have it. And you're trying to keep their hopes and spirits up that they will. That that must be extremely heartbreaking and difficult. Uh, it's it's really difficult because, you know, it, <laughs> we had one uh, person came in an Easter last year and she's had Christmas with us and she'll probably have another Easter with us. And she's she's quite good, you know, she has her dependency. She wants to go home. She mm. would be able to go home if she could have the carers in place in rural Ireland three times a day to support her. But, you know, we heard so much about the notion of primary care and care in the home and all of this kind of thing that would, you know, take, I, I, I suppose, the, the, the difficulties off the HSE, off our hospitals and the mm-hmm. like. But, but it hasn't come to fruition really at all, has it? No. And, and look, I've studied the models across the world and I remember going to Denmark and Northern European countries. They have amazing systems set up. People argue, yes, their taxes are higher. They're higher, but they deliver in their healthcare system. Yeah. They deliver in their home care system. And they've no, you know, a person can go in and say, well, look, this is the equipment that I require. These are the carers, carers that I require and they're assessed and they're, they could be 40 hours a week they need. They'll get those 40 hours. We're capped at 21 hours. Like 21 hours for someone that's maybe paraplegic or someone that needs assistance of two to get out of bed with a hoist. How's that possible? Because if they get one hour of care, it means it's two half hours, as in, sorry, two carers for uh, a half hour each. That's one hour of care. You know, and you're rushing a 90-year-old lady to go to bed in a hoist oh, in that time. But there are models, you're saying, that we could look to and There's emulate. fantastic models, and yeah. they're aware of them, Fran. But unfortunately, look, it's firefighting all the time, and yeah. this crisis didn't just come this Christmas. You know, we've well, I was going to ask you that years. before I let you go, Sandra, because, you know, as somebody who is both a nurse and an administrator and all of that, when you look at the HSE 
And, you know, I mean, nurses were, were telling the HSE back as far as September that we were going to have a chaos at Christmas, but then they're firefighting on Christmas week. What do you make of it as a professional looking in at it? Fran, this, this could be 2011. This could be even further back. Every year we say this is the problem. It's, and we'll go back as far as the Henley report back then, mm. when the smaller hospitals closed, larger hospitals were promised, centre of excellence, they weren't delivered. Every year we hear the same. It's not my first time saying this to you. It won't be my last. And then we have the perfect storm again because we've all been in isolation. We've all been covering up for the last few years. Now we've every type of virus. Our immune system is low. You know, we haven't been exposed to viruses. And now we have all these viruses hitting us and we're not even reaching the peak. We've been told this. We have another week or two before we hit the peak. As a nurse, it's so destroying to watch colleagues that I've trained with working in the acute sector. In the nursing home sector, everyone's tired. You know, we're all tired after the last few years we put through. And now it's like, can they not do something? We keep saying the same things, you know. There are solutions, but it's like no one has a good hand on what to do. And, you know, we think it's bright that Ennis, you know, the medical assessment, mm. uh, people are being yeah. transferred out. Like, they're being transferred out to a corridor, moving the problem along again. You know, it's and and we're all we've lost these staff. So even going to Ennis, they're not getting beds. Is that what you're saying to me? Uh, yeah, look, we've beds in Nina corridors. I'm not sure about today, but there's been beds in corridors. You know, that reminds me. I worked in Nina Hospital back in the early 2000s. We had beds in corridors then. You know, so, so we ha- we uh, haven't so learned anything really, or nothing, nothing at all, Fran. And uh, it's just so frustrating. And I, I'm not the only person frustrated with all this. And there are solutions, but it's about bringing people to the table and to listen and act, actually. You know, we've grand plans and they're all shelved, gathering dust. Yeah, I mean, what, what is it? Yeah. We're six years into Schlantecare, I think. Is it six years at this six, point? Yeah, and, and you yeah. know, and there are little evidence of it, but not enough to make an impact. Yeah. And who's going to make that impact? And, that, you know, it's uh, just so frustrating, so frustrating. Sandra, it's always good to talk to you and thanks very much indeed for coming thanks, on with friend. us today. We wish you well. Thank you, Sandra. Thank Bye-bye you. to you now. Sandra Farrell there speaking to us. And Sandra is operator of Patterson's Nursing Home in Rossgray and indeed the Family Lodge um, in Care. Uh, wonderful institutions, too, bo- both of them. Um, we'll take a break. Back in a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. 1800 Text WhatsApp 083 As ever, we'd be delighted uh, to hear from you. A listener says, good morning, Fran. It's uh, people like Sandra who should be running the HSE. Common sense, real people, not people in big offices pushing pens. Uh, with huge wages. Um, thanks, Fernanda. Says you're very welcome indeed. Well, in fairness, Sandra did put herself forward for for election uh, last time round, and if memory serves me correct, her slogan at the time I think was a better way for Tipperary. But the electorate chose chose not to uh, to vote her in, so she did put herself forward. In fairness, now earlier on. 
Um, we alluded to the notion that the Labour Party uh, are calling for mandatory mask wearing to return on public transport and in congregated settings. And Richie joins me now. Richie, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Uh, good to talk to you, Richie. You're not at all impressed with uh, the Labour Party per se, I would imagine, are you? No, no, no. I'd have no time for the Labour Party. They've thrown every citizen under the bus in 2008 and onwards with their austerity cuts and the way people were treated in general. So I'm almost delighted to say the Labour Party are just about wiped out. Mm. What, are, what are they now? They're about 3% still, is that, that what they If that, yeah. if that. Yeah. Well, put some of the same as the Green Party, I suppose. But, but anyway, it is somewhat so, yeah. And the yeah. Greens need to go as well. Now, you know, you know that the Labour Party would say to you, "That's all fine and very well with about the austerity." But we came into government at a time when we had to fix things. That you know, we were all down the toilet. <laughs> of course, they'd say that. Mm. <laughs> you know, I don't think families have forgotten what they have done. We're all told to put our shoulders to the wheel, and we all got done over by them. You know. Yeah. Do you think that feeling is still out there, Richie? I don't think people of my age are certainly going to forget what happened in 2008, how the banks were just bailed out and, like mm. I said, we're all thrown under a bus. Yeah. And and still a lot of people would say, well, the party that caused it is part of our government at the moment. With, with oh, yeah, and they're still there, yeah. I don't yeah. know why they're there, but they're there, you know. Yeah. And, they're and all so getting the... back in the 14 and 15, 16 count, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, these are done. So the mandatory mask wearing, then, is that mm-hmm. something you... you you wouldn't go along with? Oh, absolutely not. I wouldn't agree with it at all. Yeah. I think myself it has come down to a personal choice. Mm. Someone wants to wear it, let them wear it. If you don't want to wear it, don't wear it. Right. How many um, studies have been done to say the mask does nothing? Does yeah. nothing. Well, well, Anthony Stane, the professor, was on to us uh, earlier on, and he said, you know, OK, it's, it's not a huge barrier to infection, but it's something. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that note, I mean, if you're sitting beside somebody who's vulnerable, so, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Do you think no. is it worth it in that case? Or? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it still has to come back to personal choice. If you feel vulnerable, go ahead, knock yourself out, wear it. Wear your mask, yeah. Uh, wear your mask if you feel vulnerable. If you're not vulnerable, don't. Yeah. I mean, this mask has destroyed lives, especially for young children. Explain that to me. Well, young children always have to develop and speech therapy or whatever they're developing. They're not getting to see your face when you're talking to them. Strangers coming up to them saying, oh, you have a beautiful baby and they're hidden behind a mask. Oh, they have his eyes to look at. They're not here to lip read or do anything, you know. And do you think that the two years that kids spent with masks or whatever amount of time it was, will that play out in future years? Oh, absolutely. The development of children, I think, has been really knocked back the last few years. I mean, the last couple of lockdowns, they destroyed businesses, they destroyed daily lives with these mask wearing and green passes. They destroyed the place. They closed our schools down, everything. We Have people really forgotten history in the last two to three years? Mm. Yeah, because even some of the stuff that, that happened, I know I was discussing it recently with me, and I can hardly believe it myself in terms of some of the measures that were taken. Mm-hmm. But I, I suppose the excuse would be we were in unknown territory, I suppose, Richie. Well, you said all in one, an excuse. You said all in one there, an excuse. Mm. It was control. Absolute control to control us. Nothing to do with the disease. More and more people came out, professors, everyone came out and said, you have more than a 99% chance of full survival rate of getting COVID-19. Mm. And more than 99%. It was overboard. 
the flu disappeared. Now the flu is back. They can't make up their minds. Well, the flu, the flu disappeared. Well, again, here am I um, playing devil's advocate here. But they would mm-hmm. tell you that the flu disappeared because we weren't mixing with each other. We were oh, wearing our no, masks and all of that. You, you, yeah. you don't believe that, no? Not at all. I don't believe that. Not at all. It's all pure rubbish. Mm. You know, pure rubbish, you know. And how how do you feel about that? You still you have a guy with the credentials of of Anthony Staines there telling us that you know we should continue to get get our vaccination, get boosted. And oh, it all depends on who you ask. Mm. You know, whoever's passing the envelopes around the most are are going to do a lot better out of all this with their boosters and their vaccines and everything. And you know what? None of them are working hard. People are still getting COVID, still passing it around. Mm. But they will tell you that people are not getting as sick as they might if they weren't vaccinated in some way. Well, I don't agree with that. I think our natural immunity would be far better than any of these vaccines. Mm. You know? If if you're well, I suppose. If you're well. But, I mean, if you have some sort of underlying condition and you're, you know, if your immunity is compromised in some way, that might be be an issue, you know? I don't think so, no. I don't think so. Do you not? I have no faith in the COVID nineteen vaccine. No, no, no faith at all. No. Would you think I have an awful cheek if I ask you? Have you been vaccinated? Oh, I think it would be an awful cheek because yeah. it would be down to a personal matter. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to ask you. Yeah. Are you vaccinated? Well, I'm not going to ask you have you ever tested for diseases of any kind. It's none well, of my business. Right. Well, you can ask me if you want, but but yeah. No, I wouldn't ask because it's none of my business. Yeah. That's between you and your GP or you and your partner. That's that's none of my business or, or to put it out in public. Yeah. You know, to say what you have and what you don't have. Right. But but I'm gathering from what you're saying to me, you wouldn't have much faith in it anyway, Richie. Is that fair to well, say? Well, it's not working. Why do we go for vaccine number one, two, three, four, and under mm. probably a fifth one? Mm. It, it ain't working. Why are we doing it? Why are we falling for the same old thing, you know? You have to just give it up at some stage. Mm. And I mean, how many people are dying suddenly? Mm. Why, why are there veins covered in clots? You know, why aren't... GPs, doctors, surgeons, undertakers. Why aren't people coming out? I put that. Why are to, they afraid? I, Why are they sure. afraid? Did you listen to to the piece with uh, Professor Staines, or were you 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 might have been busy at the time? No, no, I wouldn't be in your area now. Right, no problem. But I put it to I put that to him about the excess deaths, and I put it to him as well that people are speaking out more and more now in the European Parliament and in the House yeah. of Commons, and indeed in fairness, people like Matty here in in, in the Dáil as well. But so he, fair play to Matty. Yeah, he did call him out only a couple of weeks ago yeah, in the Dáil. Yeah. Uh, fair play to Matty. Yeah, um, but what he said to me was that these excess deaths and these unusual occurrences in, in, in people and, and heart comes from COVID as opposed to vaccination. No, no it's coming from the vaccine. You, you, it's coming from the vaccine, no doubt about that it. That doesn't hold anything. We didn't, have, we didn't have these blood clots. We didn't have blood clots that were absolutely massive, huge, unprecedented things but we didn't up have, to two years ago. But we didn't have COVID, Richie, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, we could go around in circles. I believe firmly the vaccine is deadly. Right. And I wouldn't be taken anymore. And myself. do you think in years to come that we'll look back on this and we'll wonder what the hell we were doing? Is that. We can look back and reflect on it right now. Right. How many people have just died suddenly? Hmm. I guarantee you, as true as I'm sitting here talking to you on the phone, I guarantee you within 12 months the word died suddenly or unexpectedly won't appear in RIP anymore for branding like this. It won't appear. They don't want us talking about it. They want a cover-up. 
they don't want us talking about these sudden deaths. We've 18 euros dropping down healthy people. Mm. The amount of sudden deaths in two years has been unreal. I know I spoke to you before, and I follow RIP for all different areas. Mm. And the die suddenly is unreal for very young people. So well, something is causing it. And again, we can't blame COVID. Yeah, well, well, I was, <laughs> I'm just going to say that again because again, it's the point that Anthony Staines made. Like, why not no. look to COVID for this? No, 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 no. We won't be looking at COVID. COVID is only like a bad flu, you know. You know, we well, get over it. We get lot, over it. A lot of Plenty people, people out there who've been sick with COVID and have had no vaccines and they've recovered. Well, and they're living well, plenty, just fine. Plenty of people died with it as well, Richie. Well, we don't know that. The, where, the, where are the autopsies? Well, in, in the early stages of it. I mean, no, look, we had no, we no autopsies. There's no autopsies in Ireland. None. None. There's no good looking for cause of death. People are going to their grave buried with no autopsies right. when they suddenly died. Families don't know why they died. We don't know why. We don't know why. Well, there are, we need an investigation. There are, there are autopsies on, on people. but They're I, not on everybody. I know who's dying suddenly is not getting an autopsy. Well, that, I, I, no. that's, but, I mean, that's not true. If you die suddenly, you no. have to have an autopsy. No, it's not happening, though. The findings are not going out there. Oh, the findings uh, are not being no, made. No, they're not going out there. No, no. All right. Um, yeah, it's an interesting take on it, Richie. Um, I mean, as far as you're concerned, um, um, you won't be listening to the Labour Party anyway, is that it? Oh, absolutely not. I have nothing to do with the Labour Party, no. There's a good few political parties. No, I, they've sold out our country, you know. Mm. Yeah. Do you, you know? Do, do, is there a political party that you would advocate for? Not particularly at the moment, no. There is a few individuals that have been fairly decent, such as Matthew McGrath, Aaron Tipperary, very decent man. Uh, fair play to him. He called them out in the doll a few weeks ago. Um, he did say that they were working for the World Economic Forum mm. and all they could do is sit and giggle. You know, but fair play to Matty, he called them out. All right. Richie, thank you for your time today and uh, glad to have you on the radio. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, thank, you. thank you. Bye-bye thank you. to you Bye-bye. now. 1800 um, The text and WhatsApp 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Huge reaction to that uh, chat there earlier on with. Uh, uh, what was his name again? Richie, was it? Richie, we were speaking to. Um, yeah, and a very mixed reaction to uh, some people um, rather um, in a flowery fashion, shall we say, um, calling him names and stuff. And other people saying, yeah, it's great to hear this. And I agree with that. So it's a very, very mixed reaction uh, to it indeed. 1800-938-007. We're on air with you, of course, every weekday morning from 9. Just after 9 o'clock this morning, Willie spoke to us about the upcoming increase in the price of a pint. Here's a little of what he had to say. Look, this is the time of the year. It's a quiet period. January, February, you know, it's a quiet, quiet market. There's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of... It's not the time of year for concerts or matches or this kind of thing. It's a quiet period of the trade. And look, I mean... I was out myself last night at something. I had maybe three pints. Mm. I mean, like the price isn't in now, but if it was, 
So it won't affect me. Yeah, it's coming into effect on the 1st of next month, isn't it? The 1st of February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But look, I don't know, does it say something about us as as, as a country still? I mean, it's next to 9 o'clock news and the 6 o'clock news and people are up in arms over it. I mean, Mm. food prices have gone through the roof. You know, I was talking to a guy there the weekend and he says, yes, family, six of them and four kids and two and yes, the annual shot or the weekly shot is three, three fifty just for its basics like. <laughs> and we're obsessed about the 15 cents that might go on a pint. Does it say something about us like? Does it say something about us indeed? Willie speaking to me just after nine o'clock this morning. Now, Cork Supernatural Society, a non-profit paranormal research group founded in 2013 and they investigate a mixture of historic locations and private homes and businesses which report to have alleged paranormal activity. Now, yesterday, they checked out a number of locations uh, in Tipperary, starting with Lockmore Castle, which has been listed as one of Ireland's most haunted castles. Well, Matthew Clark is a lead investigator and researcher with the Cork Supernatural Society, and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Matthew. Good morning, fine. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome indeed. I'm intrigued at your society because you're rather different to other paranormal groups, Matthew. Um, you, your aim is really to disprove, I suppose, the paranormal activity, first of all, and to find some sort of reasonable explanation. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, our aim would always be to try and find a reasonable explanation for any any paranormal activity and I would say 95% of the time we do find a cause for the said activity. Um, there have been occasions where we have got stuff that we can't explain um, and I am a believer in the paranormal mm. but our aim would be to try and disprove it first anyway. Right and that's probably the healthiest way to go go about this. I think so. I think yeah. so. You have to. You can't go into every place and if you go in expecting something to happen and you're spooked then you're not really going to be able to kind of judge it fairly. Right, so you go in with a sceptical frame of mind I I suppose. Can you tell me a little of Lockmore Castle yesterday? What was your experience there? So yesterday basically since it's the start of the year we're kind of on the hunt for new locations um, and we have a member in Tipperary so Tipperary somewhere we want to start doing more investigations in. Um, so yesterday we came up um, Lockmore Castle. Has, you'd hear about it every now and then. It mm. often gets into the top ten most haunted castles in Ireland, this, stuff like that. Mm. Um, so, and it has an interesting history. You know, it dates back to the 15th century. Um, and the Purcell family who owned it, they were there for a long time. So there's a lot of history there. Um, and we're looking at maybe going back to do a full investigation. Yesterday we went in, we bought our equipment, we kind of did a brief scan through, um, just had a look around the place, got a feel for it. Mm. Um, now we didn't, I'm not going to lie, we didn't experience anything paranormal-wise, but we're looking to go back and do a proper investigation. Where, where else did you go, Matthew? We went to the Abbey next door. Um, we then went, we've been to, we went to Kells Poirie, just over in Kilkenny, um, and we went to have a look at a place called Knocklofty House. Mm. That's the place we actually investigated maybe six or seven years ago near Clonmel. Yes. And what um, what what uh, happened there? How did that turn out? Well, Knocklofty, it was actually investigated by another group originally. Yes. Um, 
and they recorded a piece of audio. It sounds like someone walking with a, a cane. You can hear something smacking off the floor. Um, they said the building was empty when they recorded this. So that got our attention, um, and we went up. Um, we met the groundskeeper at the time. He'd reported seeing a full-bodied apparition in the library there in Knockbafty Hall. Um, so on our investigation, we got... We have a saying that's called EVPs. That stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena. Mm. It's where you pick up a voice that you don't have at the time on an audio recorder. Um, so we were doing what we call an EVP session, which is where we call out. We'll just ask random questions. Mm. Is there anyone here with us? Could you tell us your name? Stuff like that. Um, and during the first session in the library, we were kind of just chatting. Nothing had really happened, and we were just chatting amongst each other. And... Mm. Um, and in the background, you have a deep male groan. Um, it's not. It's hard to pick up if a word's being said, but it sounds like a deep male groan. Um, and then later that night, we left. We were staying overnight on that one, um, and we left audio on the ground floor. We were all upstairs asleep, and we got a voice that sounded like it said, Mom. Um, now, that was the recorder was left alone. There was no one else in the building. So that was an interesting wow. one. Wow, it certainly was indeed. Did you investigate Lep Castle as well? We have. We did investigate Lep. Um, that would be another one of the kind of famous haunted, allegedly haunted places in Ireland. Yes. Yeah, particularly so. A lot of stories, particularly about children, I think, uh, haunted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what was your experience there, Matthew? It was interesting. We were out. So you've got the main castle to either side of it. There are yes. ruins. Um it's called the Priest House, if I remember right, the ruins. So we went in there um, and we caught this. Again, it was on the audio. We caught, it sounds like someone, it sounds like a scream. Um, now, we played it back. We didn't hear this at the time. We played it back. Um, and when you slow it down, it does kind of sound like a cat. Mm. But we didn't hear it at the time. The audio we were using isn't we prefer to use kind of normal audio. We don't want to use anything too high-tech, so we yes. don't pick up anything, you know, miles away. But this was this was close to the audio. It sounds like a scream. It wasn't heard at the time, so I'm not 100% what it was. Um, but we also left as well. We got some what we call K2 hits. Um, What's that? We use, they're like EMS meters. Yes. Um, so they pick up on change in the magnetic field. Some people believe that can be a cause of paranormal activity, mm. using the energy. Um, up in the bloody chapel, it's called. Yes. We were just asking questions. Um, if there's anyone here with us, could you go towards the green light? It's the green light that's on the EMS. Um, and they started to go off. So that was LEP. Again, We didn't. I didn't feel or see anything personally when I was there. But it was, uh, it was an interesting place and we're looking to go back in the coming months to it. And over the years, um, doing the kind of uh, research and investigation that you do, what what was the most striking, what was the most frightening you've come across, Matthew? I would say there was one incident, um, I'll tell you two, there was one incident in Tipperary, actually, it was in a, a place called Redwood Castle. Um, so we were in there, there's a chapel in Redwood Castle, mm. um, and I felt... It felt like someone put a lighter to my back. Um, I felt a burning sensation right in the centre of my back. My God. Um, and when we checked it, there were scratch marks down the centre of the back. Um, 
Now, I was standing up in the middle of the room. There was nothing around me that would obviously cause it. Um, I don't know, was it something I'd done earlier in the night and the pain just hit then? But as I said, it didn't feel like I'd been scratched. It felt like someone had burnt me. Um, so that kind of played on my mind. I don't know was it paranormal or not, honestly. But it did play on my mind to think, can they physically hurt you? Wow. Um, so other spooky occurrences would be, we have um, a former Magdalene laundry here in the city, right in Cork City. Mm. Um, and me and one other guy with her just about a year ago. Um, and we actually, we were just saying how comfortable we felt in there. Um, but we started here and the first thing we heard, it sounded like a door slamming upstairs. Um, so we went up and it's an abandoned building. So we just put it down to it. could be It could be anything, basically. Mm. Um, but we then heard, it sounded like something heavy being dragged. This was really loud and it was going across the floor, like something being pulled. Mm. Um it sounded like the cupboard or something. Um, when we walked out, there's nothing in that room that could cause that sound. Um, and then again, there was another two or three loud bangs. And that was intimidating, just the power of it. Um, it was really loud and that building was falling apart. You couldn't you couldn't make dragged stuff like this across the room safely. So there was definitely no one in there. So that was the scary moment. My God, I, I, I don't know how you do I'd be too scared to do any of this, I, I have to say. Um, what the, These paranormal events or whatever, what are they, do you think? I mean, are they spirits? Are they... What are they? Originally, I was thinking, was it some type of... Maybe energy that we just didn't understand. Yes. But as I, we've gone on, um, the EVP, some of them that we've got have been, like, we got one recently, it was one of the best we ever got, in a pub here in the city called the Poor Relations. Um, they'd been reporting activity, so we went in and investigated it a few times when the bar was closed. Um, and we uh, we were upstairs and we asked the question, how many of spirits are with us? And it's just, it's so clarifying, it just says, just me. Um, and we have that up on the page, if people want to, we have all what I'm talking about on the page, if people want to have a look through it. Um, but that kind of when you get a direct response that shows there's intelligence to it right. so I would think it has to be spirits of former people but I it was a, it's just amazing when you get stuff like that um, when and are so these unhappy quickly. spirits in some way Matthew that haven't managed to break the link with that's something honestly I don't know yeah. I don't know um, he he said it's just him um, and we we also use what's called a spirit box. It's like a distuned radio, just scans through the frequencies. Um, and when we were using that again in this room in the correlations, um, we got a few responses coming through that I'm lonely. And um, what's happened? Um, we got um, we got the word twenty one a few times. We weren't sure was that his age when he died, or was that. Yeah, because it sounded like something before it. I don't know, was it 1921 or something? But he didn't seem to understand what had actually happened to him. Um, and another question he actually said to the spirit box is, how do you hear me? So he seemed very aware of us. Um, he was interacting like through that and through the EVP. So he fully knew what was that we were trying to contact with him, but he didn't actually seem to know what had happened to him. 
It's, it, it, I, I think this is all I- incredible. A years ago, I was involved in a radio station up in the Midlands, and we did a piece from Charleville Castle there in Tullamore. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. I do, yeah. yeah. Never been there, but I'd love to do that one. Yeah, it, it, well, the, it, I was too scared to take part, to be honest with you, so I sent a team, <laughs> team down there. And what they came back with was just incredible. They were strolling down the avenue, and two mini-disc players stopped at exactly the same time recording. Right. And, yeah. and they they brought back photographs where there was little bubbles in the in the. Fo- yeah. Have you come across that those energy bubbles? Yeah, they'd be known as orbs. Um, what, what's responsible for that? How how does that work? Now, the, when you're taking photos, um, a lot of them can be dust, um, especially if you're using a flash. It can be dust particles. Right. Um, also, if you're outdoors, it can be raindrops. Um, they would be the main two reasonable causes for it. Mm. But there has been occasions, there was a time here in County Cork, a castle called um, Carrigfooker Castle. Um, myself and another guy, we were just standing in this room and it, we just saw this light. It was almost like a bubble with a torchlight in it. Um, mm. It just entered the room and disappeared through the wall. Um, and that was crazy to see because I didn't believe in orbs or anything. Um, so I do have some belief in them, but it's just majority of them when you see them in photos they right. would be dust or they're just illusions optical illusions of some 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 kind yeah but but the the other one that you described there do, you, do would you describe that as energy or some form yeah. of energy yeah because um interestingly in that room it's actually just um it's an old toilet in the castle um but that room for whatever reason seems to be the the room where we get stuff we yes. got we got a voice in there a hard one to understand, but it almost has like um, an accent to it, like a Dundalk accent, I would say. Um, we picked that up in this same room that we saw that energy ball come into the room. It's incredible. It, the, the activity that you've experienced, is it normally in places where trauma or great trauma has occurred? Is Does that seem I to would, be a, a, a part of this? I would find, yeah, we do find typically... Like, the most active locations we've been to would be um, St. Kevin's, which is a former asylum, um, St. Anne's, another former asylum, Madeleine Andres, all these type of locations. Um, and it actually seems to be more recent locations, more modern buildings. I don't know if that because the energy is stronger because it's more recent, but it would be rare enough we'd get anything dramatic in a castle. Mm. Um, that one I was telling you there, Carrigfuga. That would be one of the few ones that we have actually got in a castle. So it seems to be more modern buildings, and I'm not sure that because they have a more traumatic history in terms of asylums, how many people would have been put in there and died there. Um, But we have found out that more modern buildings seem to have more activity. Can you or your society, Matthew, put... I'm, I'm wondering how I should even phrase this, but can you put these spirits or these entities, can you put them at peace in some way? Personally, no, no. no. Um, we don't. What we do, basically, I've never. I've heard of mediums, and you know, I've heard we do a lot of private homes. Um, I've heard you know people calling mediums to get rid of the spirits or to mm. move them on. But mm. I've personally never come across anybody that's been able to actually do that. Right. Um, I. It's it's sad in that way because. There's not a huge amount we can actually do um, in terms of we can't get rid of them. Um, but 
that's what we try and do. Go and see, can we find a reasonable explanation for it? Yes. So that will rule that out, first I presume of all. You, you, you documented and uh, the like as well. Um, but the, but there can be a darkness to it because you describe yourself where it became physical up in, in Laura, you were talking about yeah, Redwood yeah. Castle there, yeah? Um, where it can be physical in some way. Yeah, that's the only time now that I've ever experienced anything um, malevolent or negative. Yes. Or, um, and I can't, you know, it could have, maybe I did do something early in the night and the pain just came later. Um, so I've never experienced anything that was 100% negative um, that I can, I've never felt threatened really. Um, that was a more a brief moment. Yes. And I still don't know, was that paranormal or not? May have been or may not have been, you know? Have you ever discovered anything within your own family, for example, um, where this no. is concerned? No, nothing like no. that. Um, no, not not connected to any of us. I remember we were years ago. We were in a place called Enniscorthy Castle, which is up in Wexford. Yes, um, and we were using the spirit box again, which goes through the radio frequencies. Um, and a man came through, and it was a David Daly, um, and he said he was from Mitchellstown, which is obviously County Cork. Mm. Um, and it sounded like he said, we said, do you have a connection to anybody? And it sounded like he said, Jackie, who is actually related to me, that's my mother. Yeah. It's a family group that we're involved in. Um, and, but we didn't know any David Daly. We, my mum's done her family tree and she's never found a David Daly. Right, but th- this came into you just out of the blue, a David Daly. David Daly, true the frequencies. Um, it was first, we asked, can you give us a name? And it was David. Then could you confirm that? And it was David again. Then a surname. And it was about, it was over time. It was over maybe 10, 15 minutes. We got daily. Yes. Confirmed that again. Daily again. And then where were you from? Mitchellstown. And then we said, oh, do you have a connection? And it did sound like it said Jackie, but it wasn't that clear that part. I, I, I find it fascinating. Has this informed your idea about what happens when we die in any way, Matthew, or do you just take this for what it is? Um, I suppose, to be fu- fully honest about it, I'm still... I, we don't really know why they're still there. Um, is it, are they there because of a traumatic reason? Yeah. Can they, like, I'm not religious, personally. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know... I don't know, and I don't know why certain buildings have more activity. Is uh, Does every building have a level of it? I don't know. So I would say I'm still kind of trying to find more answers about it. Yes. Have you any concern that you might be opening yourself up to, by, by your constant research into this and work with it, you might be opening yourself up to... I, I don't know, as you say, malevolent uh, spirits or something like that. Is there is there any fear of that, Matthew? Personally, no. Um, I've been doing it now. Um, as I said, we started this as a family group, so I've been doing this since I was very young. Um, so I've been doing this like 10 years now. Yes. Um, and I've never I've never experienced Bada Redwood thing, anything malevolent. Um, I've heard stories about it, but never ex- really experienced it myself. So I'm not, not worried about it. And it's also I love, it's something I love to do. Um, a lot of it too is just going to these buildings, like the castle yesterday. Yes. Just exploring, you know, finding out. You get you educate yourself about history and about 
Irish heritage. It's fascinating. So I love it. So uh, one, whatever one, happens, happens, can it? One of our listeners advocating McCarthy's Bar in Featherstone. That's a place I've we've, we've it, been yeah. a few times. Yeah, it's a fascinating place to be. Yeah, that is, yeah. Yeah, that is, doesn't it have an undertaker or something under it? It, it does, yeah. Jasper is the undertaker out there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that would be a place. Um, I have had a lot of stories about there over the years. Yeah, there's certainly some very scary stories about McCarthy's, that's that's for sure. Matthew, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I'm fascinated by all of this, and you're welcome in Tipperary anytime, and thank you for coming on with me uh, today. Thanks, Brian. Thank and just quickly, if anyone would ever like to message us, um, Cork Supernatural Society on Facebook, we're looking for more places in Tipperary, so we'd love to hear if there's any other places that people could recommend. Very good, and you have a lot of stuff on the site there, haven't you, if people want, we do, to, yeah. want to Yeah, 10 years that. of it. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Look after yourself, Matthew. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. Uh, who are you going to call? Uh, Cork Supernatural Society there. 1800 938 A listener says uh, in higher case um, script as well, uh, those are demonic forces and if you are seeking such, they will manifest, says the listener. Joe was on to say, what would he make a vortex caught on a camera? Um, but I know that Joe has sent us some stuff as well. Some pictures. We'll have a look at that, Joe, if I can open it here and uh, see what it is. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good God, my friend uh, Joe Noble has sent me a picture of a vortex. And uh, there certainly is, a, she said, see the face up high in the vortex. And it's, it's absolutely incredible. I wonder where where did that come from, Joe, and where where was that photograph taken? Um, that certainly would frighten the, you know what, out of me if I saw that. We'll try and put that up uh, later on if it's okay with Joe. We'll put it up on our own uh, uh, Facebook uh, page. Let's go back to the masks and that call from the Labour Party. Uh, looking for a return of mandatory mask wearing on public transport and in congregated settings as well. Tony joins me now. Tony, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And uh, thanks for coming on with me today. What do you make of that mandatory mask wearing returning? Well, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be very angry about it. It's it's hardly a call for political parties to make. That's a medical call, I would have thought. Mm. And it, it certainly doesn't bode well. We've, we've uh, unfortunately, a situation where our, our health service is just overwhelmed. Mm. And I suppose anything we can do to try and keep it in check and, uh, it will help. But it's hardly a political call. Yeah, and and still, I suppose, you know, it came from the, the, um, the health spokesperson, uh, Duncan Smith in the Labour Party is it not part of his duty if he feels something needs to do to put it out there at least Tony I maybe so I don't know what his medical training is is he I'm not, is I'm not he sure that he has person? any no I, I don't think so I don't think yeah, so I'm not sure then, then I, I would leave that to medical professionals to, to call rather than politicians you know uh, you'd have to wonder why they're calling because yes. undoubtedly it was um, an unwelcome development and, and could be seen as something that they won't go down well for the Labour Party with the public. 
And it strikes me that it's the mandatory aspect of it that troubles you most. Is that it, Tony? That if it's your your personal decision to wear a mask, you don't have an issue with that? I th- no, not, not at all. And we have to um, protect the vulnerable. Yes. And certainly there is surely is an onus on the vulnerable themselves to protect themselves. Yeah. And certainly if we can do something to protect them, yes, by all means. But uh, mandatory for everybody does seem a little bit um, almost like some dictatorships. We saw what happened in China, mm. where they eventually gave up mm. and relented because obviously it wasn't producing the results they wanted. Yes, and it was destroying their economy, of course, as well. It, 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 our economy is surely under severe pressure at the moment anyway. Yeah. Um, and is it a case, and I wonder if it's particularly Irish people, but if you make something mandatory, people tend to rebel against that anyway. I think that's probably going back to the old do not walk on the grass time yes, where, where nobody walked on the grass until the sign went up. Yeah. What 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 do you make of it, uh, Tony, when, we, when eventually we will look back and maybe do thesis on on COVID and how we dealt with it. So what, what do you think the result of that will be? Well, I suppose to quote all the politicians, you know, we've got to learn from this. Mm. <laughs> it seems to be their favourite phrase. Yeah. I, I don't know what are we going to learn from it. It's just another um, bug that we haven't really got on top of yet. Mm. Um, the other side of it is, of course, now, again, I would have to stress I don't have medical training. Mm. But we do seem to have uh, compromised our own immune systems for the last hundred or so years with all these adverts of uh, everything to kill 99% of all known germs. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd have to ask, has that compromised our own immune systems and been able to shake off some of these uh, bugs that are going around? Well, there is a school of thought, as you well know, I'm sure, Tony, that, you know, we wash ourselves too much and we use all of these detergents, as you say, and these shampoos and body washes and stuff uh, too much so that we're we're almost too clean and, and we're not able to fend off some of these viruses. That would be certainly um, something that I would ascribe to. I think it's very, very likely that that has happened. Yeah. That, that we've seen over the. Certainly, we've had. I mean, oh, since I can remember, um, everything has been sold to the housewife. To, to that, everything has to be sterilised. Everything has to be clean. No bugs everywhere. Our bacteria are a fact of life. They're all over our skin, twenty-four-seven. Yes. So we have, they're there for a purpose as well. And we, we have to be able to fight off infections. Yeah, and of course with our completely sealed houses now, with our windows and doors that are all this PVC stuff and all of this, um, there's there's no draft. So everything is, is, is sort of held in-house. Uh, you know, yeah, it's uh, not very healthy in my opinion. I, I always sleep with the window open. I couldn't seal my house. I mean, we have situations now with they're almost hermetically sealed. Yes, and I, I, I like to have a little bit of fresh air in my house. Yeah, yeah, I'd be similar so about that, about windows open myself as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting the way it goes. Do you, do you think many people will take up this and and go and mask wear now? Do you think that will voluntarily? No, no, no. I've seen we we've seen a few people that are wearing masks all the time, and obviously they're afraid for themselves maybe or for. Uh, contacting something that they'd take home with them to somebody vulnerable. And that is their choice. Mm. And I respect that totally. And if we need to do something to, 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 to help their vulnerable, yes, why not? But I think the dictates coming for everybody to have a blanket ban on everything and, and mask wearing, it doesn't go down well.
Doesn't sit well with me either. What, uh, can I finally ask you about, because we discussed this earlier on in, in the programme as well, in terms of the take-up where the the, the other uh, vaccinations are concerned and the boosters are concerned and all of that, are you surprised that it's it's relatively low now? I think it's better than some other countries, but it's relatively low. What, what do you make of that, Tony? Of course, we do have a lot of the panicking on social media that maybe people are pandering to about uh, we've heard all sorts of weird things and mm. conspiracy theories and their microchips, you know, that yeah, from the sublime yeah. to the ridiculous. But uh, I think it's, it's probably fairly average here. Mm. You know, we're a fairly well-educated population. I think most people realise that they more than likely will benefit you rather than do any harm. Uh, funnily enough, I was speaking to Richie um, in the last hour of the programme and uh, he, he has serious issues about vaccination and he has doubts about their efficacy and uh, whether or not, in fact, they're doing us damages. But funny enough, there was a lot, um, now a lot of people disagreed with him, but there was an equal number who, you know, said, well, it's great to hear him and it's great to hear him uh, go down this, this uh, particular way. Uh, would that surprise you to hear that? Well, as far, to the best of my knowledge, there, there was no mandatory um, vaccination. It was really up to yourself. And if you didn't, there were certain things you weren't able to well, do. Well, that's the point, though, isn't it? There were certain things you couldn't do, like going to restaurants or, or travel and the likes, you know. So there yeah. was, yeah. It was, there was that element. It wasn't a blanket um, dictate that everybody yeah. had to have it. Yeah. And you did have the choice. Hmm whether to take it or not. And the, the consequences of not taking it uh, were your own prerogative. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I can say I took them, and I have it, and thankfully no ill effects, a bit of a sore arm for a while. But the la- I had COVID about a year ago. The only reason I knew I had it was I, uh, I tested positive. Right. And do you put that down to the fact that you were vaccinated? Possibly. I don't know. I have yeah. no medical training. But yeah. I trust our, our medical uh, profession. Yes, well like yourself I, I had COVID and I had little or no symptoms to it uh, as well so uh, same as that. Uh, Tony, really good to talk to you and thank you for your time this morning. Thank you, friend. Thank bye-bye. you, bye-bye to you now. That's Tony speaking to us this morning. 1800 Noel joins me now. Noel O'Dwyer. Good morning to you, Noel. Oh, your friend. Good to talk to you, Noel. How are things? You're, you're, you're obviously not going to become a, a ghostbuster, I think, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No, it scares the hell out of me, Noel, to be I know, yeah. I, I'd be fierce interested in it now just would to watch you? it. You know, I would. Are, are you yeah. afraid of it? I'm not, no. Sure, this is... They can't even do more damage to me that's been done already anyway, so... Right, I see, yeah. Have you ever seen or heard anything kind of... Oh, God, I haven't. No, 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 no. no. Well, the only reason I'm here is because I haven't, because I would fall down, I'd say, with a heart attack if anything like that uh, happened to me. Um, yeah, yeah. So, speaking of ghosts, uh, there's a few ghosts around Bo's Corner. Um, uh, a friend oh, of mine, a, a relation of mine, in fact, sent me a video of a truck in some serious trouble there at Bowes yeah, over the last few sure, days. It is obvious, friend, like, like, why, 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 they had a great, a, a great chance to make a good job of it, you know, yeah. but why, why they insisted on building out the curb at, at, at the, 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 the side coming out from Butler Avenue, uh, farther than it was there already, it was, it was a hindrance as it was, but they've built it out even farther. Instead of moving in that wall, uh, coming down the bridge, maybe six foot or so, and and making a, a narrower footpath, could have given a, a sweep for trucks to turn up to the left. And even even at that, 
what they've done, they've, they've tightened in the whole junction and narrowed all yeah. the access roads onto it. Even at that now, if they put a painted little um, roundabout just uh, where they can fit in one there to, to discipline uh, mm. traffic, to give give um, traffic from Matthew Avenue and um, Butler Avenue a chance to get into the flow of traffic. That's all I was ever needed there the first day. Uh, the fact that they put up zebra crosses and all, that's, that's to be oh, welcome yeah. to find us. But, but they, that, that's not going to do one blessed thing for the traffic that are stuck there for maybe five minutes on uh, end. As I, as I say, I have it on my phone, in fact, the, the, the video, and the truck was in such trouble that the traffic backed back over the bridge, which, of course, is very dangerous. Good, of course, yeah, but, but uh, as the fellow says... Um, We're talking about Bose Corner in Thurless, by the way, just in case people... Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, no. yeah. Like, a, a, a not very bright orangutan wouldn't have designed it the way that did it. You know, because it was obvious, I put the whole stuff in the star there to, to show what, what could could be done for for one-eighth of the money that was supposed to be spent on it. Now, how, how half a million was ploughed into that? Uh, most of it went to the, uh, the consultants. I have no idea, but there's definitely not a half a million's worth of work done in it anyway. Is that what it cost? So it's supposed to be, yeah. It was, it was, it was uh, God, mentioned at the time. Just, uh, you know, but you know what it is? They're throwing out half millions and millions as if they were bags of peanuts. You know, mm. it's just ridiculous. The money, there's no value for money any, yeah. at all. It anyway. almost amuses me when the huge sums of money goes into research or, you know, developing yeah, a, sure. an I, idea. How many, how, many, how many consultations and plans? Oh, sure, like, yeah, they were talking about um, putting a ring road around Tullus for as long as nearly I'm alive, I'd say, yeah, at this know. stage. And I don't know how many research uh, things have you'd see these, these uh, wires across the streets. To, to presumably count the amount of traffic coming in and out, and there was a, a big survey done, and there's I don't know, there's a couple of a couple of hundred thousand put into it so far. I think as far as I know, for fun. It's incredible. No. You you were also talking to Emma, I know about uh, potholes. We've been hearing so much about that oh, uh, yeah. over the last but few friend, days. Friend, yeah. I'll tell you one thing now. You look at the square in Tullus. Yeah, I think it was eleven million was put into it. Mm. It looks the finest and all, but I think the, the the footpaths are too wide. But that's my my opinion only. But um, if you come up Slevenman Road mm. or come in by by Kikim Street or go across from the traffic lights over to uh, Strada Vohor on on, on 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 across that road, the amount of potholes that are in the middle of the main street it is it is incredible. Now they've been there for the past six months, as far as I can make out, and. There must be engineers and councillors around the town that have, are watching this on a daily basis. If there's only when they're going to funerals, they'll see him. But why why people have to put up with that kind of a road surface when you consider the amount of money that they're paying on mm. property taxes every year? I think there's absolutely blatant. Uh, like the, the people, to be honest with you. Yeah, I wonder why why we have such problems with uh, potholes. Uh, amazing. Does pothole it mean there. does yeah. it mean that the job in the first place wasn't all it should be? Is that? It does, of course. Yeah, I, I, there, there's a there's a pothole recording the whole time at the bottom of the the graveyard hill coming down from St Patrick's there, outside the shop there on the left hand side, mm. and you'd split it with the with the, with the passenger's wheel of the car. The whole it was just in the real wrong position, and it was a, it was a, it was a Jesus, it was about nine inches deep at one stage, and I I reported that and uh, they filled it. And the week after it was gone again, and I reported and they filled it again. And about four times I reported and they filled it. 
Now, the other day I rang up and, and told girls they'd be answering the phone, be answering the fines. Mm. Uh, I, I just, I said, would you suggest to them that they cut a good size of a square out of where the hole is and and fill it in that way? At least they'd be covering over the hole completely yes, both yeah. sides of it, you know. Yeah. And they have that done now, but it looks to be fairly good. Now, whether it's less than that, I couldn't and, tell you. And did they follow that advice? The same as they did, yeah. Well, okay. But, um, I don't know, friend. I don't know. I, don't know. I think when you consider the, the, the small things, there's a stop sign now coming out of mine road there mm. that has been turned up towards the graveyard, which is the way it shouldn't be. It should be facing into the, the mine road estate. Now, I think the, the, the boys going around in the trucks and that should be paid a bit of initiative money when they see this kind of stuff. To do it and don't be waiting for an engineer to be assigned to up, tell him to do it. Stop up and fix it. Stop up. Exactly. Yeah. And if they see the dirty signs, have to have an old power washer on the back of the truck. Most of them, those jobs could be done actually from the back back of the truck. You wouldn't mm. need ladders around. Mm. And most, and I've always been an advocate of when you have signs being turned, particularly now road signs for for uh, t- tourists. You know that. And are they uh, deliberately uh, turned? To, uh, oh, they are, of course. Yeah, a little, a little, a little, uh, the drill, yeah. portable drill, and uh, a pop rivet gun. Put put them into position they're supposed to be in, and pop rivet them in position. That'll mean that the gorriers coming around trying to change them at least will have to bring a drill to drill through the pop rivet to move it again. Right. So, so make you it know, difficult for them is what you make saying. it difficult, not be making everything so easy for them. You know, because <coughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah, no. it's obvious. <laughs> I'm getting over and over a bit of the flu myself as oh, well I'm here. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. You were, you were laid low, as they say, were you? <laughs> well, I wasn't. I wasn't too bad, but it's yeah. gone. You know, it's kind of an old cough, and, 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 but it's nearly okay now again. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Noel, yeah, it's yeah. always good to talk yeah. to you, and thanks very much indeed for talking to us today. That's Noel in Thurlis. Um We'll take a break, and we'll be back with our, our final contributor in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Um, a listener was on following my chat there with Noel to say, also, Fran, there's no lights at night from the water tower in Thurlis until you get to Cleary's Garage. It's very dangerous for everybody walking at night. It's pitch dark and it's a very busy area. Yeah, and that's down by the graveyard there as well, isn't it? Uh, thank you for that. 083-311-3311. Patton Ross Gray says, Fran, up to 40 years ago or so, every rural man would put on their long johns and long sleeve vests in October and they wouldn't remove them until Good Friday. The very same clothes, says Pat and Roscoe. Oh God, I can imagine the, the whiff of them by the time it got to uh, Good Friday. But there you go. Jody joins me. Jody, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm, I'm fairly hoarse now today. Okay, Jody, I, have you have you flu or something? Or? Yeah, I had it. I had it there just before Christmas, and I got a relapse. Oh, I, had, I actually got COVID, 
And uh, anyone that says to me there's no such thing as COVID, I think I'd be giving them a box because it definitely does exist. And I got it very, very badly. And I got the flu on top of it. I got that twindemic, they call it. Oh, my God. And, but anyway, look, at I was fine and I was grand. And next thing, bang, somebody was in my house with flu but never told me. Mm. And I picked it. I, I, I got a relapse off it. No, no, but look at him, grand. I'm on medication now. Oh, lost, uh, a lot of people would say she should have been on medication years ago. But anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we wish you well, Jody. I, I was particularly taken with the first line of your correspondence with us when uh, you said the little country of ours has gone down the Swanee oh, big time. What oh, do you mean by that, Jody? Uh, friend, listen, friend. The, I, I, I don't mean to be always harping on about the HSC, but that guy you had on with Ghostbusters, maybe we need a crowd of Ghostbusters in to run the HSC because <laughs> the, I don't mean to be rude. The clowns that are running, I haven't a clue. It's a monster to try and run. Every minister that went in from the time of Charlie High, nobody is able to manage the HSC. And look at, they're trying to, we have 5.15 million in this country now. Mm. They, the HSC are trying to manage for 3.15 million with 2 million people extra in this country yeah. and you know I mean I myself now when I was when I got the COVID and the pandemic in the beginning there was talk about me going to hospital but I said no way I'm not going down that road I'll stay at home I'll man myself at home and whatever now I did a great job until I picked it up the second time but anyway that's not a hero there mm. but look at Look at that girl, that Sandra, that was on to you. Yeah, I worked Sandra with Sandra. My, I, I worked mm. with Sandra myself, and most professional, honest, caring girl you could ever meet. Mm. Every word, friend, she said was one hundred percent true. Because my dad was sick, we were looking around. Maybe he might have to end up in a nursing home or whatever. And we looked at the HSC run uh, nursing homes. They were sixteen hundred euros per week. Now that's six years ago. Wow. Whereas an ordinary nursing home was. 800 to 1,000. So, and get, giving the HSC an extra, thir- we'll say, 30,000 per bed. Mm, mm. You know, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, I wouldn't, I, I'm much, I would be in favour of keeping patients at home, minding them at home, looking after them, doing as much as you can. But there comes a stage in the patient's life that, they have to go to a home because course. the family can't. Well, as well as that, uh, Jody. I mean, there's not there's not the support for carers either. Yeah, no, and that's what you see. I was a, a healthcare uh, in the private sector. Yeah. I worked with Home Instead. I'm mm. sorry, I won't mention their name. Mm. And I did live in care where I went in at nine in the morning, and I didn't finish until nine the following morning. Now I could do that three days in a row and whatever, and it was lovely. Mm. And then somebody else would come in then for the other. Uh, two days and maybe somebody else for another three days. But it was lovely because you had the patient at home, you took them out for lunch, you did loads of things mm. with them and you, you know... But of you course not them. everybody can afford that level of what, care, Jody. Oh, uh, well yeah. that's what I'm saying. But yeah. you see, the fair deal uh, that was supposed to be um, that was supposed to be um, outlined to the home care mm. package. Yes. But it doesn't seem to be got there. Like, I mean, it takes them, Jesus Christ, friend, it takes them a, a year to make a, a simple decision. Mm. There's nobody would cop on. You know, that's why I said in my text, put a business, put in a business company in to run the HSC and take out the politicians out of it for the moment and put somebody in that knows what they're doing, that's running it as a profit and loss. Whereas Noel DeMeyer was 100% right when he said they're throwing millions at everything. Yeah. There's no, 
can't we're, throw... We're not getting value for money. No, absolutely uh, not. I was reading on the paper this morning where they threw a whole load of money at the companies that own the tolls because, oh, don't, don't because traffic was was down during COVID. Oh, stop it. They listen. Really? That yeah. is a joke. Now, the pe- now I work for a family that is very friendly with the to- somebody that owns the toll in Dublin. Mm. They are multi, multi, multi millionaires now over yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, it's a joke. But you see, Fran, it's not their money they're yeah. spending. It's taxpayers' money. Yeah. It's taxpayers' money. And if they if they had to pay, pay it out of their own pocket, where would they be? Well, I suppose look at the children's hospital for a real uh, example. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's real a joke. Stupidity, I mean, you know? they were saying eight hundred completely outside. You know, that was 400 million, then they said 800 million. What's it gone to now? Nearly 2 million. They think it will be up, end up around 3 billion. Oh, holy God. And Fran, look at it. When that is is finished, where's it going to get staff to run it? My my own niece trained and is a brilliant nurse. She's gone to Australia. My own daughter, 10 years ago, had to leave Ireland to go to Australia for work and whatever. Now, thankfully, she's home. But, I mean, she said, ma'am, oh, my God, when I got very sick that time down in the hospital, she said to me, ma'am, oh, my God, I wish you were in Australia because they wouldn't let what happened to you down in the hospital. They wouldn't allow that in Australia. She was able so, to make a direct comparison, Jodie. Oh, absolutely. And she even, she took on the consultants and the whole lot because they, they weren't, they were fobbing her off every minute they could possibly fob her off. And this was, they just had no answers and they didn't know what they were doing. And, and tell me more about the comparison, Jodie. Well, she just said that in Australia, the healthcare is just phenomenal. You go in, you get sorted. There's no such thing as sitting around in queues waiting to go in. Like uh, a member of my family went down to UHL for an appointment uh, last week. Three and a half hours in a, in a queue. Like, I mean, how many bugs can you pick up in that? Like, you know, whereas she said in Australia, it's you walk in, it's a walk-in system. You go in, you don't have to ring Shannon Doc or any of these docs to know, for a secretary to know if you're sick enough for them to come to ring you back even. You know, yeah, that, that, that has become a really crazy situation. Oh, know? absolutely. And then if you ring the doctor, they want to know all your business. What, what, you know, they're trying to, as, which is very true. It takes the doctor seven years to, to train to be a doctor. It takes a, a secretary seven minutes to become a doctor. Right, because they're trying to filter yeah, out who, yeah, who is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and then they don't answer the phones. You could be on the, you could be left hanging on for an hour, two hours. You know, it, it's, you know, and everything is blamed on COVID. Listen, so much can be COVID, but it can't all be blamed on COVID all yeah, the time. I, I can't understand the thing. I mean, I know you're, you're saying the population has increased and all of that. But yeah. I mean, back in the 70s and 80s, you called the doctor. The doctor, I remember in cash of Dr. Willie Ryan and Dr. Sam. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. come to your house. Absolutely. They, they, they did the tra- the travelling. You know, whereas now if you're dire sick yeah, and, and you manage to get a, a care doc appointment, or what, yeah. you have to travel. But, you know, if you got a private doctor to come out to your house, you know how much they're charging now to come to your house? I have no idea. A hundred euro. Wow. And that's if, that's if you could get them. If you get. And secondly, if you get your bloods done in the doctors and you're a, you have a medical card, they're still charging, they're charging you 20 to 30 euros to get your bloods done, even though you have a medical card. And they're saying, oh, that's not covered, you know? Yeah. So it's all, look at, it's all, I suppose, friend, unfortunately, the whole, you know, and I, Maybe I'd be it for this now, but I think the likes of Michael O'Leary, and I know people are saying, oh, not him. He's a ruthless businessman. He took Ryanair from nowhere, and look where it is today. People like that. that so the that HSE needs something like oh, that? Oh, they that need a business. They need, they need, they need a, business, a, a, a business company to go in and treat it as a 
possibly, you know, treat it as, yeah. an, uh, as a, run, a business. Run, run it efficiently, like... like run it like efficiently and get efficient people in. Like, look at your man with the, that was the head of the HSC. He sails into the sunset with a, with a million euros. Lead, now, yeah. mm. I know, I know somebody that worked with him in the HSC. Mm. Oh, my God. Wouldn't work to warm well, himself. Well, well, Sorry now, but... Right. Well, I mean, that's that's an opinion and all of yeah, that. But, yeah. uh, well, that was her opinion and yeah. whatever. But you see, the thing about it is, Fran, there is... There's no accountability anymore, you know. There's no accountability with the... with with uh, with let's say, politicians or with TDs or anything. There's no accountability. They can do exactly what they like, say what they like. It's just... And not, I'm not... I don't want to go back to the Victorian times. But look at... You know... There's no words, you know. They say, oh, yeah, no yeah. problem, I'll do that for you. Look at that poor girl um, that was sleeping in the tent. I know. Yeah, I know. And I was following her on Facebook. She, Matthew McGrath, nothing. No, you know, nobody was able to do anything for her until she came on to TFFM. I mean, that is how our country has gone. You have to... you ha- And even with dealing with businesses, mm. and if you don't get... You know, if they don't give you good customer service or whatever, and it's like fast ways, well, I call them slow ways, but anyway, fast well, ways... Um, and, I, and we were talking about, we were talking about you that know. yesterday as well. Jody, I must leave it there because okay. I'm out of time. But okay. can I wish you well with the health, Jody? Thank you. Oh, and, I will. And thank and we'll you. have coffee soon. Uh, okay. look, look forward to it, Jody. Oh, take take care of yourself. Bye bye to you now. That's uh, Jody speaking to us this morning. That's it for me. Emma produced Ali, looks after her content. Stephen is on the way. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If you're about to